commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. And tonight, no one here gets out alive, because we're going to be talking, I think I might have overhyped this one, <laughs> I have overhyped this one, because uh, we're going to be talking about the bad guys of ufology, the problems of ufology, the seedy underbelly of UFO research with, uh, if there was a guy, if the, if the guy uh Royce Myers wasn't using the name already. I would call Jack Brewer the uh, the UFO watchdog because he he really exemplifies that role just as much as uh, Royce Myers does. Jack Brewer, the author of The Grays Were Framed and the man behind the outstanding blog, The UFO Trail. He's been on the show before, but I wanted to showcase him here on the final season because he does just some of the best work in this whole field. And uh, I'm thrilled to get him back on the show. Jack, welcome back to BOA Audio. Hey, thanks for having me, and I really appreciate the kind words. Thanks, Kim. I mean it, dude. I mean it. Uh, you know, it's funny because it's funny because you know I'm kind of like a jokester uh, in the field and everything. But it's like I expect I expect like uh, I expect ufology to not be such a shitty place, and and I think you do too, and you go out of your way to, like, show that, that there's all these fucking problems with it and everything. So, you know, we need more guys like you and, and Royce Myers and, and folks like, you know, the UFO watchdog to, to be to be watching over these people because if, if no one's watching over them, they're going to pull some underhanded stuff and, you know, there's there's all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, I and I don't think we can really do much about changing the the – quality of research that people want to um, put out there and the quality of claims. I think we can do a better job, though, of helping each other understand what to watch for. Like, that was really my primary motivation when I started writing the UFO trail was I had gotten pretty thoroughly sick of a lot of the stuff I was reading when I dug deeper into it and, yeah. and the things I was hearing. And I just kind of wanted to save some other people the same hassles. And I kind of felt a responsibility that now that I've uh, exchanged emails with some of the people I have and asked some of the questions I have and, and come to some of the conclusions that I have, I kind of felt a responsibility to share it with other people because it almost seemed like 
we were being taken advantage of for being open-minded enough to hear people out in some circumstances. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. You hit the nail on the head, you know. And it's like, I, I, I guess I have a bit of frustration in a sense sometimes with ufology because it's like they can't. I don't know. I like. I, I can. I think that if you're, I, I think like you and me and a lot of listeners to this show and a lot of our friends and stuff. I think that we're sharp enough to see a shitty UFO video and know that it's, like, just garbage. You know yeah. what I mean? So to me, I'm generally just, like, amused by that stuff. But but I, but then you see people who, like, who decry it. I guess my example is, like, you know the guy who does UFO Daily, UFO Daily or whatever? UFO Sightings Daily? You remember him? Yeah, yeah. He shut down his website, and a lot of people were like, good, fuck that guy. And I'm like, come on, guys. That, if you like just, just kitschy kitschy sort of like insane ramblings of a of a person you know is like going off the deep end with his UFO belief. It was a great fucking sight. It was fun. Like the guy would find a rock on Mars and be like extrapolate this incredible scenario of of like how 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 some ancient civilization lived there. And it's like, dude, that's just a fucking rock, man. Like I can uh-huh. sit back and laugh about it. So to me it was like I think we just need more discerning people. Like, I think people need to exercise more discernment. And, I, that, you know, and I think you and I, we run in a lot of the same circles. So it's like we we sometimes don't see uh, – well, you realize it because you're trying to straighten them out. But it's like we, it's hard to imagine that there are people who aren't as discerning as us who read this stuff and take it as gospel. Yeah, I think you're touching on a good point, too, that – where do we draw the line between, like, I think Jeff Richman calls it picking the low fruit of, you know, skepticism, and um, what's valid to be taking apart. And and um, I guess we all have different uh, standards for that, what we, what we think is reasonable. Like, you know, I say that because... Some of the, um, I even hate to use the word skeptic because skeptic really shouldn't be a bad word. Like that's something that we should really encourage is healthy skepticism, I think. Absolutely. So so maybe a a better term would be like the overly critical people or, or something. But sometimes, yeah, the stuff they'll dissect. It's like, wow, really? You know, like, who who doesn't know that it's not a good idea to, you know, like, ask a Haitian witch doctor for, you know, health advice or right, something, exactly. you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and so I guess we all kind of have... But then, yeah, like they could come back and say, well, apparently these people right here, you know, and yeah, so we we... It's a valid concern. Where's the line between entertainment and what people are taking seriously? And that seems to have gotten more blurred than ever in our current American culture as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, yeah. We have a fucking reality show host as a president. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you need to know about the state of uh, critical thinking in this country. But, uh, before all the before 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 thirty percent of my listeners turn off the show, uh, we'll move away from politics. So it's but yeah, I think that to me it's like I 
I like the UFO entertainment aspect of it, but at the same time, it's like I think we sometimes, and I don't, I don't speak for you here. I guess I speak for myself and maybe other people. But like, uh, I posted this. You're not on Facebook, right? You're just on the Twitter. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's a Radio Mysterioso group on Facebook, and I posted on there because, uh, long story short, my brother and his girlfriend came home, and they were like. Uh, they were visiting, and they were like, uh, oh, we watched this crazy movie last night, this crazy documentary on on Amazon. It's like uh, on Amazon Prime. It's like the number uh, number one documentary <laughs> on Amazon right now. It's uh, it's uh, whatever the Stephen Greer one is. I forget what it's called. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, see, this is the point of the question, though, because then I got on the thing. I'm like, has anybody actually seen this movie, like, among us? Right. You know, and this is like all the folks that, you know, like Greg and a lot of the folks. Uh, right, like we don't even bother head. with it anymore. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. And it's like by our own, like, making, have we, have we like, got ourselves stuck in the UFO bubble? And maybe we don't even, we, we don't even know what the actual, what, what people are actually consuming. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Like um, the the Stan Romanek trial is about to start. Um, it's scheduled. If something doesn't happen between now and next Monday, it's scheduled again to start. You know, this coming week. And the Loveland Reporter Herald, I think, is going to have a story exploring some of the the different uh, circles of people that like are really indoctrinated in this stuff and then there's the casual people that have just watched it on the documentary on Netflix and then there's the people that just saw something once upon a time sometime in their life so they want to relate to figures like this like Stan and want to believe in him and yeah it's a complex social thing that for people like Greer or Romanek to have these documentaries and for so many people to be watching them and I think you're you're really right there that at, at this point people that have been covering the UFO scene for years and years can't even go back to like what it's like to just watch the X-Files thinking about how uh, they felt after a UFO sighting 25 years ago or something. You right. Know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, cause, and, and the responses to the question, has anyone even seen this movie was ranged from almost all no's, to, I didn't even know there was such a movie. And right. it's like, this is the number one fucking movie on Amazon or whatever, on iTunes, you know? It's like, so ostensibly, thousands of people <laughs> are watching this movie. And it's like, it, it, we're in kind of a conundrum as serious UFO researchers. It's like, you know, just based on that sort of little sample, it's like, the serious UFO researchers are, they're right to decry this guy's garbage and shit, but at the same time, it's like, we... <laughs> I mean, we can all probably, it's a safe bet that it's bullshit, but it's like no one even looks at it. And at the same time, therefore, we're not looking at what people are consuming. You know what I'm saying? And then we get mad when they go crazy for crappy UFO stories on the Internet. It's like, that's the audience, man. That's the audience. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You know, 
uh, a, I think a really good example of that and how we just get in our thinking and we decide what we know, and that may often be correct too, but it still doesn't give us insight into what other people are thinking and maybe other things going on, is there was a, a story a few years ago, I'm sure some of your listeners will recall, of Boyd Bushman that was a uh, UFO video. It was it made the rounds. It hit YouTube. It was put up by some UFO enthusiasts that in Bushman's latter stages of life, this video was 2014, and he's deceased now. He was explaining that he was a scientist with top-secret clearances and worked on special access programs at Lockheed Martin, and he claimed that he had a network of like-minded scientists internationally and throughout the industry, some at Area 51, that agreed with him that the veil of secrecy needed to be lifted and there was alien technology and aliens, and you pretty much know the spiel. And frequently, about this point of the story, whatever it is people believe are already categorizing it into that, that idea. And one of the things that will help people remember this particular video was Mr. Bushman held up a photo of an alleged alien and said, like, see, this was given to me by, you know, someone in this network or one of these coworkers or whatever. Yeah. And in pretty short order, some Internet researchers showed that this extraterrestrial looked strikingly like a figurine sold at Walmart. <laughs> and And so... Uh, our normally, you know, polar community, the overly critical people, you know, wiped their, dusted off their hands and said another, you know, crank in the bin. And then we also had the believers that, that were saying, well, not so fast. It could have been this. It could have been that. And, I mean, some people were even saying Walmart might be in on the disclosure and, oh, you know, all yeah. this all this stuff. Well, we could take stories like that a step further. Like you're saying, what are people thinking? What are they really believing? And challenge ourselves to actually get to the bottom of it by healthy skepticism and critical thinking would dictate to ask some questions maybe about if this man really believed that, what, who would give him a photo like that? Like, would, would they think it's funny? Like, is that what, what scientists at Lockheed Martin are doing? Like, what's going on with that? So, um, John Greenwald Jr. over at the Black Vault, he filed an FOIA request to the FBI after Bushman's death, and they did give him two files on the late Bushman, and one of them contained a memo, a 1999 FBI memo, and it indicated that Bushman really did work at Lockheed Martin. He had the security clearances he claimed. He was a senior specialist on special access programs. He was who he claimed to be. 
And the FBI also acknowledged that Lockheed Martin was concerned ongoing attempt to elicit classified information, government information, and or Lockheed Martin proprietary information was being conducted that they suspected that Mr. Bushman was being targeted for the, this, you know, extraction of classified information. So wait a minute, hold so, on. Let me just because I'm t- touch confused. So, so they they so they think that so they thought he was a spy essentially. No, they okay. thought not necessarily. Being, In fact, that's where I'm confused. Yeah, or he was being sort of compromised. They they cleared him of wrongdoing, but thought he was being targeted by possible spies. Lockheed Martin did. Yeah. And FBI memos showed the investigation that was conducted on some of his contacts that uh, I wrote about it at my blog, and people could find the files as well that I linked to at the Black Vault. And, yeah, the bottom line is, he was probably, at least the FBI and Lockheed Martin suspected he had been targeted to as having loose lips. And so that's one of the things that when people will ask me, well, why would people lie about UFOs? Why would the government make up these stories? I'll try to communicate to them that it's not the end game to fool people about UFOs, but it might be a tool in compromising people with security clearances, or according to this video, he completely thought this secrecy needs to go, and he believed these people that he knew that pretended, or maybe they were interested in UFOs. But at any rate, we do know that the FBI and Lockheed Martin was concerned about the circles he was keeping and what their intentions were. So the UFO topic as an espionage and counter-espionage mechanism certainly deserves attention. We could cite other cases as well. But my whole point of my shaggy dog story here, and thanks for, for entertaining it, is that like you're saying, we don't really even know what the pulse of the public is once we get indoctrinated in our ways of thinking. And with that Bushman story, the overly critical, skeptical community was willing to dismiss it, as were the believers willing to accept it based on this crazy picture instead of just remaining objective and continuing through the story of what what in the world is going on with a situation like this. Right, right. I wonder where that picture came from. I, I, my theory, I guess, is that somebody – Somebody at Lockheed like gave it to him to sort of poison the well. So whoever was trying to compromise him was like, "Fuck this! This guy's a nut. He's fucking. He's got an alien. He says he's. He says they have aliens there. Like, oh, yeah, that would be one idea. Another would be that it was just a tool of someone um, that that was using the alien picture and the UFO story as a means to try to gain his trust, and then as a result, end up talking about the work that he was doing. Um, like, there's some other stories like that. There was one of a, 
a guy, um, Vince DePaulo was his name, that he ended up questioned by the Defense Intelligence Services. And I, he, he was involved with UFO circles and had a top secret clearance on satellite systems. And I often wondered, was it because, did he get questioned because they wanted to know who in in his UFO circles might have been interested in his work? And just, I don't think that we come at it from that angle enough, as well as any number of other angles we could discuss, which, again, my whole point here is like you're saying, we get in this mode of how we look at stuff, and um, maybe we're not even interested in looking at it other ways. Like if I'm interested in espionage and counter-espionage, maybe I don't even look at Mothman and stuff like that. And then if people are interested in Mothman, maybe they don't even look at the Vince DePaula case and vice versa, you know, that kind of thing. And, right, right. Exactly. And, and okay. And, and it's all kind of, it's part of the same overall community, but an argument can be made, too, that it's really not even the same stuff. Like, like what was going on with Mr. Bushman probably doesn't have anything at all to do with, you know, what we might call a legitimate, unusual UFO sighting, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, it's also, I think, uh, part of the point I was trying to make in the sense is like that, even the people like you and me and, and a lot of the folks that are on this show and da-da-da-da, you know, the people that listen, it's like – I like to think that we consider ourselves fairly serious, albeit like skeptical, you know, students of the UFO phenomenon. But it's like uh-huh. – but you can – there's a sort of like double-edged sword to that where you get caught in the bubble and you don't really – and I'm just as guilty as everybody else, so don't <laughs> don't if, don't uh, don't misinterpret me, folks. But it's like I don't have time to watch the Stephen Greer movie. I don't have the I don't have the the constitution to watch Ancient Aliens. But it's like these are the fucking things people are consuming. So we have, in a sense, because of this fractured media landscape, it wasn't like this in the 80s and 90s. But it's like we really don't really have a very good understanding of what. The public thinks about UFOs, or at least portions of the public, because the, these there's the UFO consumers are, are way off the are way off the mark from where a lot of us are, uh, you know, in this in this sort of small community in the bubble. Yeah, yeah, I I've never seen an episode of Ancient Aliens, man. Neither have I. Yeah, neither have I. <laughs> yeah. Not not one. No. And I no, think there's I, like hundreds. I mean, it's been on forever, and they keep running. Right. Shit, so right. Like, I see blogs all the time that are like dissecting it and analyzing it, and well, that's yeah. I guess good if people are doing that, but it's still it's yeah. We don't know, you know. It's like, like I said, it all goes back to, like, my brother and his girlfriend, you know, if they didn't know me, they would have watched that fucking movie, because I was like, oh, I haven't seen the movie, but it's probably all bullshit. Um, but, like, if they, if they didn't know me, they could have, like, walked away and been like, holy shit, Marilyn Monroe was murdered because she knew about UFOs and shit like that. Like, that was one of the big things in the movie. So it's like, you know, these stories get out there, and we don't. We don't care because we're, we're, we're like – because I think what it is is like we've long since abandoned this ETH thing for the most part. And it seems like everyone's kind of gone off into their own directions of like 
this thought exercise of what what is behind this phenomenon and shit. And it's like, to the general public, ETH is stronger as it's ever been, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like you're saying about Stephen Greer's documentary, that kind of thing gets enmeshed in communities that might also be kind of countercultural in other ways, like um, maybe homeopathic, you know, or or people with interest in alternative energy, or just general conservationists. And then these guys will pick up on how to use the language that those communities use, and they'll use some of the same buzzwords and terms. And I, I bring that up because now that I think about it, exactly what you're saying, a friend of mine approached me telling that doesn't know much about UFOs, telling me a friend of theirs was telling them uh, it's all about suppressing free energy. And what did I think about that? That's how came said, right from the movie, yeah. Yeah, I said, oh, you've been, you know, where'd you get the Greer stuff? <laughs> and, they're, and they're like, like the yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And, um, y- you know, I mean, and no, you can't just jump on everybody with both feet going, nah, B.S., Right, what else right. you got? Because then you're just like the killjoy, you know. And um, I was, you know, I was in Roswell for the latest anniversary, 70th anniversary. And one of the things I just kept coming back to there was telling people that just my general default is that the best you can do is suspend judgment pending further information. And if you have to believe or not believe, well, then there's a pretty good likelihood it's not real valid information yet or you wouldn't be getting put in that position. Yeah. But really, yeah, that, that's all you can do is just keep coming back to that, or else you're just constantly going bah, bah, you know. Right, right. Yeah, we don't want yeah. those people. Well, I think that's the good part about, um, you know, I keep going back to this, but sort of like the these people, in you know, uh, I think Micah Hanks coined it on the term the uh, on the show, uh, sort of like the ufology exodus, the people like who have sort of like abandoned the old model of ufology, and it's like, we still are fascinated by the fantastic nature of this shit. I think you can uh-huh. agree that it's like, there's something really crazy going on here. We don't know what it is, you know? So it's like, we still, we're not like, the, you're not, we're not like uh, skeptics who are just like, it's all bullshit, don't offer any, <laughs> you know, don't offer any sort of countermeasure. Yeah, yeah, like, admittedly, the the reasons I got interested, I did end up pretty disillusioned about, and I have come to think that, for the most part, I do think that the, the extraterrestrial aspect of it, and some of the alien abduction allegations, I, I've pretty much come to decide that so much of that has has been cooked up that you could pretty close to dismiss it and and what you might be missing um would be minimal 
but that doesn't mean that people aren't sincere or that they, they aren't seeing something or they're not experiencing things. I just think that they've been so conditioned to interpret what that is that then it even affects the way we tell the story later. And I... I I don't know what people are experiencing, you know. There, there's a, a certain amount of, like, if we made a checklist, we could go down it, and certainly some of the explanations would apply. But it wouldn't necessarily cover all the cases. But I do think that, as you're suggesting, there's some that remain that, that by the definition of the word, remain mysteries, and, and that is interesting. Uh, there, in fact, when I was, you know, at that conference, I, I kind of ended up with a couple of go-to cases so that I wouldn't always just be uh, telling people, ah, forget about it. And one of them is uh, a, a case in Charlotte, North Carolina, that I ended up writing with the North Carolina MUFON director at the time, and he had even told me that this case was what began his interest in UFOs. And it was, uh, if people wanted to Google it, I'm sure they could still find information on it, and it would be in the archives of newspapers of the 1970s was the Snoopy 2 case, just like the Peanuts character, Snoopy 2, because that was the name of a police helicopter, and there was a dramatic, rather dramatic UFO sighting experienced by these two police officers in their helicopter while on patrol, and there was, you know, the radar confirmation at the tower, and other pilots had visual confirmation, and you know, just by the true definition, an unidentified flying object, actually a couple of them that uh, nobody knew what it was, and it, it kind of played with this helicopter a bit, and then the two crafts sped away, and they they couldn't keep up with them. And so, I, I mean, that's something that in the 1970s, the pilots couldn't identify, didn't know what it was, and, and couldn't caused radar paints and they couldn't keep up with and so i mean like i say by definition that's a ufo that we don't know what it was absolutely yeah yeah so there's plenty well not plenty but there <laughs> there are some yeah i was thinking as you were talking about abductions it's like i bet you if they really are abductions it's probably like two dozen at the most ever or something crazy like that. Like, that'll be the big surprise. We'll be like, yeah, we've only taken, like, 12 of you guys. We don't, we're <laughs> well, aliens, dude. We don't need thousands of humans. We're aliens. We need, well, like, maybe but, 12. Yeah, there was a forum I used to uh, participate on, a discussion forum, and some of those, like, there would be just this um, this wave of, you know, bandwagon of, you know, yeah, me too, me three, and all this stuff. And, yeah, I, I used to joke that, like, a, a CIA agent could just go 
throw a basketball against the side of one of you guys' houses and then watch the forum the next day and see you telling this detailed story about alien abduction the night before, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then everybody jumps in because they don't want to be left out. Yeah. They don't want to be left out and they don't want to they don't they they want to appear like they're uh you know that it's happening to them too so they so they're not out of the out of the fucking out of the loop it's crazy Did, yeah and it's it's a very strong dynamic the social dynamics and and the way it works but did you ever hear do you recall the story of a Dr. Carrie Mullis it sounds familiar but i don't know it i couldn't tell i you i first it. came across that one because of bill chalker mm-hmm. i saw him writing about it and Dr. Mullis won a Pulitzer Prize for his work with DNA, and he later related a story of a series of high strangeness events at a cabin in California, and uh, just bizarro Alice in Wonderland kind of stuff. In fact, the one that stood out in my mind was One night, Dr. Mullis walked out the back of the cabin, and he says he encountered a glowing raccoon that said, Good evening, Doctor. And the next, yeah, and the next thing he could remember, he was, it was daylight, and he was walking on a road somewhere else. And there's a few things about that, and there were some other events that that took place, too, that, that, are worthy of questioning what what was happening in the same ways we were saying the Dr. Bushman thing. This doesn't necessarily indicate anything other than a mystery that that we should should try to learn more about if we're interested. But the one of the points that could be brought up is it's only the pop culture, the Bud Hopkins, the David Jacobs, that kind of thing, that would even suggest, that would even imply there's anything extraterrestrial about what I just described about Dr. Mullis. Yeah. And so there's any any number of ways we could comment investigating a story like that, even if it's just, you know, the, the just... Um, quote his tale and and put it in and you know document it but there's just i mean the cultural contamination is just overwhelming at this point to try to tell that without it being alien abduction you know and screen memory this and yada yada that that none of which has been established other than people like bud hopkins just kept repeating it you know. Right, right. They kind of invented their own vernacular for this stuff that's like not based on any that's only based on their own shit. So it's like yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple stories, you know, the the Snoopy two UFOs and Carrie Mollis's glowing raccoon that are kind of WTF stories, I don't know, you know, mystery by definition. And it really challenges us, kinda like the Bushman story to not decide our past experience indicates what we're going to uncover about, you know, the ongoing investigation. Yeah. Well, it's interesting in a sense because, 
you know, it's well, it's funny because we, you know, I, I get pissed off lately about people who say ufology is dead. It's like how many times do we have to fucking say that? Um, but the, I think it's, I think conversely, uh, you know, I think we all kind of pronounced uh, abductions dead. I think that the abduction thing kind of like died out when Hopkins died right at the same time as all the. David Jacobs stuff came out, and of course John Mack was already dead. Once you lost those three big researchers, it was like I don't. It cratered abduction. The, the whole idea kind of cratered. And I and and what's interesting, I think, is in the last few years, I don't know if you've noticed this. I'm sure there are still people doing abduction research. I know Kathy Martin is, and a few others. But it's like I feel like it's transformed now into almost back to the contact e movement. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why you get like uh, that's why they're calling themselves experiencers now instead of abductees you know and I don't yeah. know that, I know Jeremy Vanny does a lot of work with experiencers but I'm talking about sort of like have you seen like these, these women that, that say they have like alien, that say they have alien babies and shit yeah yeah I have it's like it's, it's becoming sort of a thing where it's like there's one like really really cute blonde girl from California who's like a real new agey type and she's been in a lot of the British papers and shit probably because she's cute and it's like she says she has a shitload of alien babies and you know an alien lover that comes and <laughs> takes her away at times and it's like it's like ah, I mean she may be making the whole thing up because it's like good copy and shit but at the same time like if if there are other people that clearly are in her mold who who I would assume believe this so it's like Something's happening here where it's like maybe they don't have the Bud Hopkinses and the and the David Jacobses to guide them to 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 craft the narrative from whatever is happening with them and sort of you know steer them into the abduction narrative and so now they're you know interpreting their own experiences and maybe falling in the footsteps of 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 these like this girl and other people this woman. Yeah, I I think that's a great point that it is resembling more the 1950s than the 1980s at this point. And what comes to mind with what you're saying, what comes to mind for me is two things. The problems with hypnosis and why aren't investigators pursuing opportunities for forensic evidence? That's the big one. That's yeah. I mean, I think we don't even need to get into the hypnosis thing. I mean, we've well, uh-huh. short of having Emma Woods herself on the show. I mean, we've covered this, the Emma Woods story. Like, uh, you know, it's 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 just it's it's maddening in a sense, and I get the sense from talking to Jeremy from time to time that. You know, I mean, you talk about the people that got all upset, and rightfully so, about the guy in MUFON making those comments on Facebook and shit. And it's like, dude, we got fucking tapes of David Jacobs saying, like, <laughs> you know, not not like, not comments along the same lines as that, but equally insane insane comments and troubling comments. So it's like... It, it, like Sean Spicer resigning over a new hire. Like that was the thing that pushed you over the edge. Right, I, I I hear you, man. Yeah, yeah. Like like, who was still on the Mufon bus that what that guy said would have said next stop I'm off. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, have you been following the new the new one lately from uh, this new guy? Another guy quit uh, because of Jay Z Knight's involvement in MUFON. I just read about it a couple nights ago, and I'm semi interested in in the Jay Z Knight thing because I uh, I I find like riding past a car wreck, I find the cultism. Uh, intersecting with ufology fascinating. And that's like we were saying about Stephen Greer. He can use some of the language that might be picked up by some of the conservation movements and whatnot. Yeah, you do see some of the same language and and vocabulary terms and whatnot that that can cause uh, some of the... um, New ageier groups and UFO groups to kind of enmesh and uh, come together, almost like newfound churches or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so I, I, I'm so I'm sort of following it, but what else you got on it? <laughs> Nothing really, in a sense. I'm just kind of like amused as you are by the car wreck aspect of it, in a sense, with MUFON, just like. I'm with you, man. I, I've been, you know, I've considered MUFON a joke for fucking years, you know? Right, like, right. For me, it was like the get-off-the-bus moment was when the director of MUFON was on The Daily Show, and they just made him look like a complete asshole, and it was like, all right, I don't even want to, you know? <laughs> these people are yeah. embarrassing me by association, you know? That's yeah. how bad they are. And that was like a few years ago. Even before then, I was like, well, oh, it's just a crusty old organization. It's... It's harmless. Now it's like becoming more and more. Uh, I feel like this is the year. This is a very scandalous year. They're under a lot of fire for their symposium because it was like all about the secret space program, and people and people are like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Like I thought we were a scientific-based UFO organization. Now we're yeah, you know, and yeah. that goes back to like the UFO entertainment thing. It's like if they want to be a UFO entertainment entity. And produce TV shows and shit. Then just do that, but don't. Yeah, don't that's what Robert. Tell me it's raining. Yeah, Robert Schaefer has said too that if they just drop the claim of science, then uh, that, that's what he, he. I'm paraphrasing yeah. here that he's kind of said, you know, they just should stop claiming they do something other than provide, you know, facilitate telling UFO stories. And I, I agree with that. Like, the like I think a point that can be made about hypnosis is it claiming you're conducting scientific study and using hypnosis as an investigative tool are mutually exclusive of one another. Hmm. And and like you can't do both. So if some and like that's not my opinion. That that's you know the current mental health paradigm and the scientific paradigm that you know that like that like you're saying that doesn't even require discussion anymore. That ship is so sailed. So they they can't claim to do both. It's mutually exclusive. And then with the forensics, we could, I mean... Oh, yeah, just, that's what, I got off on a rant there, but yeah, that's... That's was, okay, that that's because those are valid points. And yeah, I, I mean, spit in a tube for crying out loud, somebody, you know, let, let's get get a line on... 
I mean, we're literally putting people on stages claiming that they're ET human hybrids. Right. Um, I, I'm not going to even get into the legalities of such a thing because I don't know them. I'm not qualified. I, I'm not an attorney. I don't. I don't know what what you know kind of problems there are with that. But it, it, I, I'm just dumbfounded. I, I like. I'm obviously even lacking vocabulary here for how that would be the next step rather than just have a medical examination, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's hilarious in a sense, and it's also <laughs> absolutely fucking ridiculous because it's like somewhere in this people's minds, they come to the conclusion that they are an alien hybrid or they had an alien baby that was taken away from them, and it's like they they get to a crossroads and instead of, like, going down the route, like, hey, can I get more science, like, can I get more medical information about this? Am I going to be okay? Like, you know what I mean? No one, no one fucking, it never dawns on them, you know? They just go right to the stage. Hey, everybody, my mom's a dinosaur, and I'll be talking about it this Saturday at the library. Be there. Right. You know? Exactly. Like, that would be the next thing to do, you yeah. know? Whose mind works that way? That these people apparently—it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, I mean, you could even understand it more in years past, like you were comparing it to the '50s, and I brought up the '80s. But now, scientific understandings and investigative techniques have surpassed the narrative. It wouldn't be a mystery to find out what someone's mom was or to find out um, if there had been a miscarriage and, and to possibly and to find out what some of the um, characteristics of the alleged missing fetus may have had. Uh, tests can be done that... that uh, moms, or you know, you know, the the hosting female could have could find out information possibly sometimes decades in the past, and instead we're just talking about it. Yeah, and right. yeah, it, it is an insult to intelligence, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we had Tyler Coke John on the show. We kind of made a grandstand challenge where it was like, somebody fucking step up. If you're a hybrid, step up or shut up. That yeah. Should be, that should be that should be the policy on these folks. It's like, you know, prove it with the fucking science that we have available that can prove it, or shut the fuck up. There's no right. There's really right. no t- two ways about it. But then, the thing it comes back to, Jack is. They sell tickets, man. <laughs> they sell tickets. They sell shit somehow. And it's, you know, it's not the folks listening to this show. It's not the folks reading your blog. It's like that general audience is, you know, I see a lot of cries for, like, we need to, we need to, like, um, you know, develop a serious sort of uh, vein of ufology. There is a fucking serious vein of ufology. Like, we don't need to put a name on it. It's just people who take it seriously. And it's like, yeah, there's no, you're, you can't compete with the entertainment, man. That's just the way it is. 
Yeah, and I think that gets us back to what I said about we really can't do anything about a nonprofit corporation that sells tickets and um, puts space program fantasies up for people that want to come hear about them. Yeah. We can try to uh, encourage one another like we're doing during this show. You and I are kind of supporting each other, encouraging one another, and hopefully uh, a few listeners as well to be more discriminating and uh, to be part of the solution and not the problem in spreading stories and uh, I, I think that does come back around, too, to some of us aren't really interested in the uh, the the more incredible, the, the less credible stories, where I, at this point, am interested in the social dynamics and the way the topic has been exploited and what those purposes may have been. Yeah. And I I think that's pretty fascinating, too. And then the public is kind of a collateral damage byproduct in, in the process. Oh, yeah. And then you have charlatans and opportunists that jump on the bandwagon of the momentum that's created. And, yeah, then it, it's just really a whole hodgepodge of a traveling circus that is just a fascinating social chain of events. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. Yeah, it's like I don't want to be in the audience of the circus. I want to, like, kind of be outside the tent or, you know, <laughs> on the edge of the tent, I guess inside, because you want to see what's going on. But it's like, yeah, I don't want, I don't yeah, that's a great analogy is, like, wanting to see the puppet masters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or to be backstage at the circus. That's probably maybe even the best way to put yeah. it. Yeah. Like, because to me, I get why people like all this shit, and it's like – but, but it's 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 just crazy. It's just kind of crazy in a sense. Like I I stress this all the time. It's like you can't you know if you if like like you were saying it's like we can't do much about this organization putting on a secret space show. What you can do, folks, is vote with your dollar, man. Like don't fucking go. absolutely. If you're absolutely your, like, good to the pe- good for the people who are in the organization who left. If you're you know if you disagree, leave. You know, don't give them the time or the money. That's the only way you can make an impact. Yeah, it, it sure is. They'll, uh, as long as something works, then uh, someone will continue doing it. Like there's a podcaster that for years has sent out emails soliciting cash for various what he'll term temporary emergencies and uh these have gone on to the tune of like two a week for years and you know as as long as something like that works uh, apparently you know it if if people will give then why stop i i mean would be one way of looking at it you know yeah, I mean, I'm aware of what you're talking about. You, you, you've been tracking this on Twitter for the year. What's the, what's the, <laughs> which I love. 
What's the total number of emails sent out by this podcast? Um, not personal crises. Not counting um, just your standard during the program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not counting since I got on the phone. Um, uh, about seventy-one last I looked, um, and we're in what week? Week twenty-nine or thirty, something like that, of two thousand seventeen, and. I first started started kind of watching this a few years ago now because I'd have people contacts people I knew saying, "Wow, well, can you believe this guy?" And a few people, more than one, more than a couple, started forwarding the emails and going, "He just asked for money for this like six months ago, and he's saying that." It's happened again, you know, it might be housing or cars. And uh, my interpretation is the thing that, that upsets people about it is that many of us, if not all of us, have known people or ex- many of us have experienced what we might term real problems ourselves. And I mean... Uh, serious illnesses and, you know, just tragedies that befall people. And it seemed to me that that's what was frustrating people, among other things. What what I felt was getting expressed to me was their frustration with that, like, groceries cost money, send me some, you know. Yeah, Yeah. You know, his deal. And uh, it, he'll vilify the landlord, and when when he's like made it public that he enters into these agreements without the money to to pay, and then will will uh, will send out letters asking his supporters for money because he Can't he be makes. Right. Yeah, makes the landlord out to be unreasonable to expect the money that he said that he would pay. Yeah, yeah. And then this week I even got uh, an email forwarded to me from a former donor, someone that told me they did give him money once. And they sent me this because they had seen that that I had had kind of followed the situation and they wanted me to be aware that apparently former donors get extra emails in addition to the ones that I've been aware of. That Jesus. yeah, that that like, this first this like person second tier subscriber. Yeah, this person them. indicated to me that that uh, the language used in, in these former donor emails are along the lines of uh, they, they might could facilitate a miracle again and, uh, you know, if you know, keep the dream alive kind of thing. Yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. just like, wow. Like you, yeah, you came through once now. Can you do it again? No. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, it's what... Like you get, if you ever donate to, like, a political campaign, you, you, you know... Yeah, you, you yeah. Like or, or you're, like, giving to the, the children with cancer or right. something. Yeah, was the, the kind of language. Was what I interpreted that frustrate people about the situation is that uh, 
the an underlying theme is just life's it, it's just unfair that that the individual has to pay for these things and he should just have more money and that uh i i felt like it was being expressed to me from the people that received these emails that he felt in un, just unusually entitled to uh, their generosity and their sympathy for conducting uh, his podcast or whatever it is he feels he contributes to the genre. And so understandably, people are, you know, like if I were to, to take that approach, I would understand if people were like, well, here, I got a deal for you, Jack. I'll take care of the UFO trail a while, and you can drive this rig of plants to Canada. How's that? Will that work? You yeah, know, we, yeah. we, we can trade, okay, if yeah. that's so hard. And so, yeah, it's been an ongoing thing. It's gone on for years. It, it's amazingly just, I mean, part and parcel of the traveling circus we were discussing. Yeah, absolutely. It's I laugh, but folks, it makes me angry because it's like, dude, if you're sending out 71 fucking emails in a year already begging for money, get a fucking job, dude. Mm -hmm. Just get a fucking job, man. Like, I don't care how old you are. You get out of fucking Walmart, they got like an 80-year-old dude in the door greeting people, you know? (laughs) Just get a fucking job, man. Like, people, you know, folks... This show practically disappeared last year. You want to know why? Because I didn't have fucking any money, and I got a fucking job. You know, other things to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's what. That's really what gets my goat. It's like, come on, man. You know, you got. You got to have priorities in life, dude. And it's like, if you're if you're if you have to beg for money because you because you because you won't do anything but do a podcast, it's like. Well, the problem is the fucking podcast then, dude. Like, like, stop doing your podcast and go get a job, you know, and try and do the podcast when you can. You yeah, know? So there's... there's and keep the lights on. And while he paints it with... He, he tries to add these, these uh, stories of um, hard times or unforeseeable circumstances... It's my interpretation, the way the people describe it, that forward the emails to me, that they they grew tired of it because, as you're saying, the general theme of it is that there's something unique to this guy about needing to just figure out how to create income and live within your means. You right. know, well, you and everybody else on the planet, man, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, we, I passed around, like, a GoFundMe for my buddy Bernie because he was having a hard time. And it was like, I told him, I'm like, dude, I'm happy to help you out. But if this becomes, like, a, an, every, an every month thing, then I, I'm out, dude. You know, like, I get that you're in a, in a bind right now, and I want to help you out. And I hope other people do, too. And they did. Folks were awesome, and they helped him out. But it's like, I ain't going to be passing that shit around every, <laughs> every month. Well, that's you know, the problem. in a bind. That's the problem with the exploitation is then when someone has legitimate 
you know, hey, man, you know, you got a few bucks till Friday, then people are already turned off to it, you know? Exactly. And, yeah, hurt yeah. other people who are who are either hurting and do need money or who who want to. Yeah, or like it's or it's reasonable to like say, hey, here's my book. Could you could you you know float me a few bucks? Or it's reasonable to say, hey, we keep this website going twenty four seven year round. Here's the tip jar. All of that's reasonable to do if you appreciate our work. How about pledging a few bucks a month? All of that's reasonable. And then when someone comes along that the public perceives as unreasonably trying to take advantage of it, it sours it for everybody that is behaving reasonably. Yeah, exactly. Well, I've never been on that podcast because I've been (laughs) pretty vocal about the antics. So I was invited and I, I declined. I told them that for a few reasons, I didn't respect the way that the the show operated and some things it had done. And uh, it, no, it, it's not something that I'll be participating in either. Yeah, yeah. What irritates me is people who know about the whole thing and are, who still go on the show and everything. To me, it's like that's kind of hypocritical. Like just because you're not fooled by by the emails and stuff, and and. You know, you, you've made a really good point. Uh, I've seen you writing about this somewhere. It was like, uh, you know, even if all this stuff is true, well, even if, you know, give giving um, giving them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that all of this this is an incredibly difficult, long personal crisis is 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 on the up and up and really happening. It's like you're asking us to give money to someone who's de- demonstrably been financially irresponsible for all this time. Like you can't, <laughs> can't yeah, get yeah. on the feet and you want us to, you don't enable people like that folks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's a great point that it, well, if, if the whole thing, <laughs> if the whole thing's up and up, what reason would I have to believe that, that a few bucks would help? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's been going on forever, so it's like, you know. Anyway, all right, right. We're, we're gonna move on from that. So, but uh, Jesus, yeah, yeah. So if you get any emails, folks, I'll probably be getting an angry email. But <laughs> hey, man, uh, it is what it is. We all have to decide. We do um, what we shrug our shoulders about, or where we draw the line, and. You just got to make up your own decisions. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, what's going on with the Romanek trial? Because I know you've been following this, and people uh, – it's funny. We talked about Stephen Greer earlier, and it's like the – he Romanek has a, has a movie on Netflix now. And there was an article. I'm sure you saw it. It was great. It was like um, – it, it was like man on trial for child porn has documentary on Netflix. It was like that's the worst kind of advertising you possibly could hope for for, for your movie. Yeah, and, yeah. But what's so he's due the trial's going to start next week theoretically. Yeah, this coming Monday, I do believe it is July thirty first. Um, right there in Loveland and. Yeah, he's he's charged with uh 
you know, everybody's well. I guess maybe yeah, give everybody's me the rundown, cause I need not a aware. Like on on what 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 kind of what what the charges specifically are that he's facing. If I mean, you don't you know you don't have to dig it yeah, up. Yeah, it works, it was um, possession and distribution of child porn, and it was uh, as the Loveland Reporter Herald reported, it was associated with multiple images on his on a computer taken and seized from his home. Uh, I'm follow the reporter Harold for, for more information. Um Sam Lounsbury is on Twitter. He's gonna be covering the case and I expect he'll have an article coming up soon about it. Um, it's been several years ago that Romanek was arrested. I think 2014, if memory serves. Yeah, it's been kind of winding. When, yeah. Yeah, winding when the warrant me. was first served, and uh, the there were understandably, or maybe not understandably, but predictably, the Romanek inner circle has been. Uh, touting conspiracy theories and saying he was set up to discredit him. Of course, critics are not particularly bought in for a couple reasons. One, he did a pretty good job of discrediting himself before any of this came along. Right. As well as for a conspiracy theory to be validated, it it requires verification more than just um, somebody could have set him up. You have to show who did and why. So it's difficult to buy into the conspiracies, lock, stock, and barrel. But nonetheless, they, they've they accused uh, a uh, Loveland detective was uh, that actually served the warrant was called into question by Team Romanek, but he's since been cleared of some charges and allegations in another unrelated case. Uh, and also what gets left out of those those conspiracy narratives is the, city, the Loveland Police Department was acting on information provided by the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah. So it, it, you'd have to go a lot deeper than, than just pointing the finger at the Loveland detective. Koopman was his name, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. This isn't like a conspiracy by the local cops, I would assume, if it is. I doubt. I really don't think it is, but it's like right. a and so, it's a conspiracy. This has to be yeah, a and so then, like, people conspiracy. were saying, well, what does DHS have to do with that? Well, everything. That That's one of the biggest things they work on is – um, child exploitation and human trafficking, and it's not unusual in the least that that would be uh, arise during one of their investigations and that they'd alert local police while they moved on to some other things. Right. And, um, in fact, dozens if not hundreds of people a year are uh, arrested and convicted by um, Homeland Security's investigative arm, which is ICE, for um, child porn and human trafficking-related charges. It's a very common thing. Yeah. So 
he deserves his day in court, of course, Absolutely. and he he wants it. We can, however, look at his UFO narrative and see holes in it big enough to drive a truck through, and his his credibility was already lacking, and uh, it's. It, it, it's tough on him at this point. It, it, you know, if you apply critical thinking, one really doesn't have anything to do with the other, not necessarily, at least as far as the court is concerned. Like, can these charges be proven? And if allegations of being set up are made, can those be proven? Is really, as far as I understand, what it would come down to. Yeah. Yet, as we were talking about how these UFO gurus, for lack of a better term, try to enmesh other things into their their narratives, I really thought a good example of this was in one of the stories I read about this, that it said the reporter Harold stated that when Koopman served the warrants, I interpreted the way it, it reported this that Romanek tried to lead the discussion into UFO fringe stuff and told Detective Koopman that I have some sensitive documents that people might get in trouble for releasing. And Koopman's reply <laughs> was something to the effect of, I'm not here for sensitive government documents. And, <laughs> I, and I thought, good for him for like just, we're just going to nip that crap right in the bud here. You know, that, that this ain't about alien hybrids, man. Okay? You know? and Is that like, yeah. Is that when he tried to run away too? <laughs> Did he try to fucking run away at first? Um, I don't know. Oh, no, you're thinking, I think you're thinking about two weeks after he was arrested and charged, he showed up at a local hospital claiming the police had jumped him. Okay, yeah, yeah, I do hear, I do remember hearing. Yeah, he was banged around and beat up, and I did get the police file on that, and the detective in the case suspended the case for lack of suspect information, and he was more than clear that he thought the crime scene was staged. He didn't. Yeah, fact, I read the police report. It was really kind of weird. It was like, yeah, it was like the glasses were a certain way. There were certain, like, tells to the scene that made it Yeah, yeah, and he said it doesn't look like a fight occurred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so there's... Uh, you know, I mean, he's just his own worst enemy at times. And, of course, people could say, well, of course that's what the police would say. They they beat him up. But, you know, that kind of, like, being a, a self-respecting conspiracy theorist myself, <laughs> there you go. Nice. those are the conspiracy theories that give us a bad name. See, yeah. there's not some they at the police department. Like, everybody from a detective to a, a police officer on the beat isn't just on the same page about let's jump Romanek, you right, know? Right, And yeah. And so you, you really got to give us something more substantive here than the police did it, 
You know, I mean, that that just gives us conspiracy theorists everywhere. They come up with good NSA docs and stuff about, you know, the the uh, shenanigans within the UFO topic. That gives all of us a bad name when you just float this nonsense out here. Yeah, yeah. It's like, this is no, I, I highly doubt the police would, like, beat up this dude, especially because he was kind of a high-profile for lack of a better term, like uh, arrest, you know. I'm sure by then it had already been out there. So it's like they they don't want they would they would never fucking do that. You know what I mean? It's like that's that would be too that would be that would be a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah. Like one one person I interviewed um, the filmmakers actually a few years ago of the documentary and. Um, they their stance on it was like, well, I can't say he's innocent because I don't know. But they they did kind of take the, and I'm paraphrasing here, but one of them did kind of take the the stance of, but if you think you're being watched, it would be really stupid to 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 do make to be committing those crimes. And I just quoted him and and went with it because I didn't feel like debating it or arguing. Like, I asked the man his thoughts. If that's his thoughts, well, then that's his thoughts. Yeah. But what I did think when he said that was, well, one, that's not how addictive behavior works. Like, people are on parole for being heroin addicts all the time that go stick needles in their arms. You right, know, right. I, I mean, you don't just not do something because you're you're under surveillance if you're addicted to it. Yeah. Another thing is you you also don't cease it if you don't really believe you're under surveillance. That's the other you, part. Yeah, exactly. You know, like if you're you're scamming about believing your house is um, bugged, then. You know, I mean, yeah, like, like, like it's just a, yeah. it, it's just a false premise, like right, and like, see, the deeper we get into these, if this, then that, that really don't make sense. When it all is going, the the further we get from the truth, when it all is really going to keep coming back to, he never could prove the abduction stories and. He the the more he tried to give us what he would call evidence, it often seemed the deeper he would get himself into convoluted areas that that made him look even less honest. That that would be one interpretation. Yeah, well, there was that whole thing where you had that video where you could see him like throwing a pen and he acted like it was. Uh... <laughs> he acted like it was it was an alien or something. He's like, I don't know how that just happened. I don't know how. It's like, I, yeah, I mean, like something paranormal supposed to be going on because he's throwing stuff around the room. Then, did you know that he like threw get talk about leading with the chin? He threw gas on that fire when he later claimed he discredited himself on purpose in that video because he was threatened to do it or something bad might happen to him or loved ones. That's a good one. I'll give him credit for creativity on that. That's 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 uh, I, that, yeah, that one that some sleepless nights came up with that one, I would <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, that's a 
Yeah, that's when. Yeah, that's a rollover and then jump that one down. That, that that might work. That one. Yeah. That one might work. It's like, dude. Yeah. Really? Oh man. So so we're always going to come back to that kind of thing. That that you know what does critical thinking dictate? And then with the actual criminal charges, what kind of evidence is going to be presented? And then what kind of counter evidence of why it should be um, ignored or, or, you know, not trusted? Yeah. Yeah. And that's really all it's going to come down to. And the problem, as demonstrated when Detective Koopman said, you know, metaphorically, you can just save that crap. I'm not here for UFO documents, is the UFO community thrives on convoluting stuff and going down these trails out into the weeds that really have nothing to do with the issue at hand, yeah. you know, and and – the Romanek story, like, epitomizes it in all its shame or glory, depending on the perspective. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we'll look back on this whole thing when it's all said and done as, like, sort of a textbook, uh, like, look at that sort of, like, some of the things we don't like about ufology, in a sense, you know? Yeah. I, I, think, I don't know if it was you, but I, know I had somebody on the show, and we were talking about this, and it was, like, right after it happened – his wife, like, made a post about it or something on Facebook, and some idiot in the comments was like, the UFO community stands with you, Stan. All of us do. You have our heart. And it's like, dude, speak for your fucking self, man. Like, yeah. like the UFO yeah. community does not stand with this guy. Like, let, let him have his day in court. Sure. But it's like, until then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all set, man. I'm hands off. Like, I never really, I never really had much of an opinion on the guy in the first place. So it's like... You know, it, to me, it's like Jesus, dude. These UFO people—they're—you they're, they're, know—he he could walk down Fifth Avenue and shoot someone; they'd still vote for him. You know, that's kind of how. Oh, ab- absolutely. That's why, yeah. Like the Romanek case, even before the criminal charges, just epitomizes the the fear of letting go of anything that, like. It doesn't matter how many times a person is shown to be acting in a less than sincere manner or how many stories don't pan out or how many times something is promised that that doesn't come through. There will be people saying, well, wait, you don't really, that doesn't really mean that he wasn't abducted by aliens. And that's, again, an example of wandering out in the weeds that, like, well, we can't prove somebody was or wasn't abducted by aliens in in these roundabout ways. Like, can he either present evidence or not? Like, whether he, he makes a fool out of himself or not in an interview just keeps making it worse, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, uh, did you are you familiar with the Chilean UFO case from at the beginning of the year? I am not. Okay, no, well, sir. it was like the Chilean government released a UFO video, and it was like uh, Leslie Keene wrote a big piece about it on Huffington Post, and it was at first when I first saw it, I was like, holy shit, this is amazing, you know, um, 
it's cool that a government's looking at this. This is a really great, you know, interesting case. And it like fell apart within like uh like a week. But it like but if I was a lunatic true believer, I I'd be like and there are people who, you know, who did respond this way. They were like, "No, no, 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 no. You're 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 a debunker. You're a debunker for for uh you know, showing that this was actually yeah, evidence of the cover up. Yeah, right, right. And it was yeah. like, it was like, no, dude, these folks did a legit job looking at this video and figuring out exactly that, that this was a plane based on the, you know, the triangulation of the aircraft on the radar. You know, yeah. from the timestamp of the of the fucking video that got released. It's an open. I, you know, and as soon as I saw that, I was like. You know, well, all right, that's done. That's not that's not a UFO case. It's like we need more people who can just do that. Like just let it go. If it's not good, let it go. Yeah, I do recall that now. And um, we were talking earlier about just your mind's already made up, and you know we're not exempt from it. I'm guilty as charged. When I saw Chili and Leslie Kane, wasn't interested. You know, because of the history. There. Right, right. Yeah, I found out after I after I first was like, "Holy shit!" Then when I heard more about what's gone on in the past with that, that's when I was like, yeah. oh, "I should have known that ahead of time." Then this is there's a lot of problems here with that. You know, they already had one case, a very similar and thing. You happened know what? What's bad about that? She's among the ones. That are, like, if you look at these Reddit threads, you know, and now and then people will say, you know, well, hey, you know, what should I read that's credible? She's often one that's mentioned, you know, when, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, no, she's highly, yeah, she, well, you know what it is, and this is not, uh, like, a slight against her or anything like that, but it's like the people, and you mentioned this actually in the book, The Greys Were Framed, Um but you mentioned it in the in the case of like uh intelligence people but it's like the gist of it is it's like anyone who comes to the table with some kind of pedigree uh is immediately like elevated in the eyes of ufology you know what i mean mm-hmm. even if it's mm-hmm. like the, like like oh god like paul hellier um you know leslie keen was like an investigative reporter for like the boston globe i think and a couple other big newspapers yeah you yeah. know, so she's like, oh, she's an investigative worker for the Boston. You know, she's elevated up. You know, so it's like the people who come at it with any kind of like credentials, especially like anyone who's like had any kind of like government job that sounds, you know, that sounds uh, hefty. You know, if it's like, like it's just someone who's like, I'm a mailman. No offense, <laughs> like, they're not gonna, they're not be like that. Well, he's got, he's got, you know, but if like. You know, you could be working at some place and have, like, a top-secret clearance for something completely un, unimportant. You know what I'm saying? Not un, you know, sure. You know what I mean. You get top-secret clearance to work on God knows what. But then it's like, he had a top-secret clearance with the government, so what he says about UFOs matters. It's like, he had a top-secret clearance because he was working on the toilets and the submarines, dude. Like, that's all That's all he had the top-secret <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, I I mean, we see this a lot around the UFO community, too, is you get used to, to talking on podcasts and doing some interviews and uh, you, you know, have a blog and people will ask you some things, whatever. And 
I can empathize with people might just fall into the habit of answering questions when they're asked. But absolutely. I mean, sometimes the answer is I'm not qualified to know that, man. You know, like I, I just write a blog. And you ask me about the Travis Walton case. Well, I don't know. I read the book like everybody else. Other than that, how should I know, you know? (laughs) And that's a great point that um, they start talking about uh, Cold War projects. And um, I, I was sharing some information with a guy that's interested in the, um, the uh, Unit 731 and some of their activities and how after World War II, uh, some of the uh, most notorious from from that, that was a Japanese uh, um, chemical weapons testing and, and other unethical and just horrid things, were granted amnesty in in the U.S., and I was sharing some information with a person that was interested in it. And we had seen where another blogger was writing about, you know, well, allegedly this and that and the other happened with Unit 731. And, like, it ain't nothing alleged about it, man. It, It happened, and just because you blog about UFOs doesn't make you an, you know, authority on every topic that comes up. Like like you're saying, if someone's a historian or they they have a top secret clearance, uh, you know, send decoding and sending messages at an Air Force base or something doesn't make them qualified to explain what happened at Rendlesham or something, you know. I mean, not in and of itself. And that that's a really good point. I think we're always going to come back to that, that the best we can do sometimes is just suspend judgment pending more information. And as one of my friends once said, and what we know about UFOs could fit on the back of a postcard, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbon. Tony, more than 30 people in Stephenville, Texas, say they saw a UFO. You believe them? Tony Kornheiser, believe them. Who do you think was up there getting froze? You're listening to Banal of America Audio. So, um, you know, the webpage or whatever is just something that you guys do for fun. Do you have a, a real job? Well, that is our job. Oh. We don't technically get money for the hours we put in, but it is our job. Well, I've kind of made a similar point in the sense where it's like you hear these disclosure people and it's like we don't know shit about ufos dude if you listen to those folks you think that like you know you think it was cut and dry it's like they've moved on from trying to trying to prove this or or uh you know solve the mystery to just being like okay we give up give us the answer yeah that's pretty much it it's like we give up give us the answer it's like that's no fucking way to live life man like you know we'll figure it out demanding it demanding demanding the answer it's like like a petulant child yeah yeah i you know in in that book that i i did the grades have been framed Mm -hmm. i went nearly 300 pages and 
there were so many things I didn't even touch on, and disclosure was one of them, that you could just go pages and pages and pages about the impracticality of that movement. That, uh, like, if a government official comes out and says, okay, there's an extraterrestrial presence, well, then critical thinking dictates that we ask for evidence of that. And then the the can of worms there, even if it happened, is is just just in, incredible, just so huge of if they tell us that case A, B, and C, they don't know what it was, and it remains a mystery, and it wasn't them, and they don't think it was any adversaries in aircraft, and we really don't know what these are. Well, see, by default, then that means they do know what case D, E, and F were. And they're just not going to go down that trail because they're intelligence agencies that that obscure what they've been doing. They don't clarify it to global adversaries and the public. And it it I don't know if the disclosure leaders are oblivious to that and or whether they're aware of it and are somewhat taking advantage of a public that's oblivious to it. But it it's just really difficult to to get on board with virtually any aspect of it other than just wanting the truth. I, I can empathize with that. I just don't see how how the some of these organizations and people supposedly spearheading and lobbying can be part of that solution. It it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I have a difficult uh time with and it's like in a way it's kinda like we were talking about with the public perception in a sense where it's like people expect like that you know, Trump oh God help us, Trump would you know, will come out and just say, Hey, the UFOs are real or what it's like it's not you know, it's not gonna be like that cut and dry, folks. It's just not you know, and they, no. they think like the the, the 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 and like people listening right now might be like, Yeah, no ship and all but it's, but it's like it's like that's the scenario that's being sold, fuckers. That's the scenario yeah. that's being sold. That Trump's gonna walk out to a fucking podium like when they killed Osama bin Laden and go, UFOs are real. It's like that's what people are expecting now. That's what they. That's what they. That's what they're championing. It's like completely illogical. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it is. It, it's irrational. It. It, it's just not how intelligence agencies operate to do things like that. And as I said, it just shows either a lack of understanding of that or targeting people that don't understand it or some combination thereof. Yeah, and I mean, I've seen this thing likened to like uh, civil rights and gay rights and stuff like that. It's like, dude, no one's fucking being persecuted because the UFO secret is a secret. You know what I mean? So don't don't liken it to those movements because it's <laughs> they're completely different things. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like these were people fighting for their rights, 
and you know, no, like I said, no one's, no one, no one's really being persecuted because I guess if you like, if you if you're gonna be a real like uh, conspiracy theorist, you could like pull the camera all the way back and be like, yeah, well, we are because we have to work and we could be living in a utopia and shit. And it's like, yeah, dude, and if my rabbit had wings, he wouldn't hit his ass when he fucking hops. You know right. what I mean? It's like right. there's a lot of things we could, we could be doing. There's a lot of great things that could be happening, but it's like it it it, it doesn't hinge on the UFO thing, man. I don't think. I hope not. No, no, and especially when those disclosure advocates have already decided that it's extraterrestrial. Like they're not even asking for documents and information on UFOs, they're they're cut let us in on the alien presence and that that's a tough sell, man. That's a really tough sell. Yeah. Yeah. Because to me it's like again, it's like you're like a petulant child. You're like just, at least I could I could get on board with kind of what you're the, the the alternative kind of that you just suggested where it's like, hey man, I'm down for more clues. If you guys want to give us some more clues, that would be great. But, you know, I don't think they're going to just come out and tell us. I, I put forward the idea that, like, if they really wanted to get around this, they would just say, they would just say, like, the next time they send a rover to Mars, they'd be like, hey, we found an ancient civilization there. But don't worry, they're dead, so they can't hurt us. But apparently intelligent life's out there. But this, this, these intelligent lives died, so we, we should get our act together here so we don't end up like them. You know, mm-hmm. and then that would kind of get over the hump of like, is it out there and shit without ha- without the, because it's a really complicated issue, you know, but beyond even all the people, you know, there's people like, oh, it would affect the religions and economies and all that. Absolutely. But it's like just the sense of an other that could be, if they were like, yeah, they're coming here, that people would be freak out. You know what I'm saying? So if you were like, yeah, they existed, but they're probably, they're almost certainly dead and gone. Something happened, you know. Maybe they left. We don't know. But they, they, they're they of no threat to us. I guess that's the point. Uh-huh. That's the uh-huh. only scenario I could even see them entertaining as a possibility. If it's even fucking true, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I, I think, too, that this is, imp- I think it's important to have some understandings of how the UFO topic has been exploited by the intelligence community. And for good, bad, or indifferent, it it just has. And there are any number of cases that, that can be demonstrated that it has and the, this doesn't necessarily, in fact, it probably doesn't have anything to do with an actual UFO in many cases right. as much as the exploitation of the topic. And the reason I think it's important that, that we have some understanding of that is it would make it more clear how this supposed disclosure just ain't going to happen, that they're literally talking about soliciting the agencies that have lied from the 1940s all down the line about what they were doing and asking them to now just say, oh, yeah, well, you know, here's what was really going on. 
Right, right. And people that don't understand that history of misinformation and propaganda and lies might not even be a fair fair way to put it because again that's kind of acting like the public was victimized and that's that's one way of looking at it another way of looking at it is they were just misled yeah and as a byproduct like not even the intended audience but the Certain powers that be just made decisions that it was worth the objective at the time in the specific operation for the public to be misinformed because the payoff was worth it. And when people don't understand these cases that that happened, they don't understand the complexity of now just demanding that the president come to the podium and come clean about UFOs. And it, it just ain't the way it works, man, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. ain't going to happen. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. Well, I thought it was interesting in the book that uh, one thing I had never seen it before, it was in the uh, chapter where you were talking about James Carrion that it, – that, uh, he he had a book, and in the, his book, uh, which you mentioned in quote, um, there was a, a, a. This is absolutely mind blowing, and uh, it really uh, it stuck out to me. There was an FBI memo from July 30th, 1947, which is like, like between Kenneth Arnold and Roswell, <laughs> right? When it all began, folks, an FBI memo that says the Air Force is releasing discs connected via a wire out of planes. <laughs> It's like, how the fuck have I never heard that story before? And, like, are you kidding me? Like, you what? know what's even more interesting about that? Like, absolutely, man. This, this is like the Chinese puzzle here, the deeper you get into it. And I, I've got more FOIAs out on that stuff now that they're probably going to tell me to go to hell, but I'm at least <laughs> going to ask. Right. Is the guys that that – were exchanging these memos are now con some at least one of them is conclusively demonstrated by Carrion to be an expert in deception planning and implementation and he was exchanging memos with the FBI about their UFO investigations now how far that goes or how important it is you know, is is maybe yet to be seen. But, yeah, that's some stuff I'd like to know more about as compared to just screaming at the White House to come clean about UFOs. It, it's a fascinating era of history, and I'll throw in my disclaimer now that certainly doesn't account for all reports, all high strangeness, right. certainly not. I mean, they they go back as far as humankind, and they'll go on long after uh, I'm dead and gone, I would imagine, in some way, shape, or form. But, yeah, it, it's pretty evident that at the least um, the Air Force and the CIA and other intelligence agencies during what was a very tumultuous point in history and the birth of the CIA, the late 1940s, were very much exploring, and that's documented, the, they were exploring the use of 
uh, the UFO subject as a psychological warfare tool. And we have every reason to think that they pursued it. Uh, there's a Spitz version Norway case where we have every reason to think that based on uh, declassified file at the NSA that it was uh, a so-called crash UFO, crash flying saucer, was a fabricated story probably by the U.S. intelligence community. And uh, I'm in fact, my last post at my blog was about that story. And there's just a fascinating chain of dots there that, that could be connected that we have to, it, or some of us feel a desire to want to learn more about how they're connected and exactly what it indicates. And it's indeed challenging to try to separate that from it, it doesn't indicate answers to every report in every case and, and everything strange that took place, yet it, it not only changes our thinking about the past, that when we don't know how involved the intelligence community got in, in the circumstances, which a lot of, like you're saying by quoting that passage, can be learned, and many people that consider themselves knowledgeable about UFOs still don't understand a great deal of that. Then if we think, and there's even more deeper in the Chinese puzzle than what can be surmised at this point, it really changes what we thought we knew, and as I mentioned earlier, it even conditions people to incorrectly think they understand something that hasn't even happened yet, like just based on what you already kind of take for granted you thought you knew that might be incorrect will affect what you think you saw next week sometime that hasn't even happened yet. And it's a very challenging topic to try to untie that bird's nest and get straightened out oh yeah absolutely because it's like for folks who are like why would they make all this shit up it's like they could just you know they probably wanted the russians to think we were working with aliens and stuff or we had alien technology and stuff it's funny it's like people the big sort of conspiracy theory you know is like that they got the alien technology and like weaponized it but it's like maybe they just weaponized the ufo alien myth like maybe right. that's, what, that, that's what happened and it would change. Mystery, you know? Yeah, like, like why they did Spitz version might be different than than why they they did Aztec or something like that. And then even the same myth might have different uses at different times, you know, to come back to later. And yeah, it it's it it's pretty fascinating and yeah, the uh the 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 guys itself can can be the guys sometimes. Like uh, Martin Ornay was an expert in hypnosis and a CIA consultant during MK Ultra, and some of the reports that he 
published as well as some now declassified reports about his work suggest that one of his techniques was to just lead people to believe he had advanced techniques. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're defenseless, trust me, you yeah. know. <laughs> and people believe it, yeah, they fall, yeah. Yeah, he had a whole elaborate, he recommended anyway, a whole elaborate system of pseudo-sham hypnosis techniques the, about, yeah, how to lead people that were being interrogated to think that they were defenseless to the interrogation techniques. And, yeah, I mean, and it's a, I, I, go ahead. I, I liked the what James Carrion said in that interview in my book, too, something to the effect of, People that aren't familiar with intelligence agencies are just clueless of the extents they'll go once they've targeted a situation or an individual. And, yeah, there's some pretty clever guys that have been in that agency over the years, you know. Yeah. I have a feeling the president's finding that out right about now. (laughs) (laughs) If he's smart enough to notice what he's (laughs) finding. Yeah, if he can identify intelligence. (laughs) Don't pick a fight with the intelligence agencies, dude. Come on. What are you, fucking crazy? Yeah, um, that was pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I, the next thing you know, every, every newspaper in the country's got like 12 sources of the CIA. It's like, okay, you're going <laughs> to fuck yourself, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's a challenge. I mean, I still love ufology and UFO research and the field and stuff, but to me, like I said, like we were talking about before, it's like I feel like we're in the back row at the circus here kind of watching it. Unfold, and as I said before, this whole thing like oh, ufology's dead. It's like enough with that shit, folks. It's like, you know, I've at what point did ufology die? I've seen and heard it like a million times at this point. It's like I think I think because of the the big anniversaries this this uh, past few weeks with the Kenneth Arnold and the Roswell mm-hmm. one this summer. It's like a lot of people are getting back on that ufology's dead horse. It's like no shit, man. You know, it's splintered off. I think it's just a it's really splintered off, I think, because we have reached a point where, like, they've been trying a certain way for so long that they can't – that it didn't work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, collecting, like – it's some. it would be interesting to look at, I guess, like, different mysteries and see sort of like the ebb and flow of, of interest and sort of uh, – and that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Because it's like – Nobody's really – the exception of Gianca Sarr was a good friend of the show. Like, nobody's doing Bermuda Triangle. You know what I mean? Like, there's only, like, one person going after Amelia Earhart. It's, it's like, there's really yeah. no – so it makes you wonder, like, did we reach some generational point here now where it's, like, the original people who sort of did all the original – who built ufology, they're, like, gone or going, and we reach a new generation of people – and it's a different, you know, I think maybe people are kind of like just frustrated because they realize that all this, there's been no progress. What seems like progress really is no progress. Yeah, and that's one of the things that got me interested in the intelligence community and the social aspects is I don't deny necessarily anyway that there might be 
something of interest in, like I mentioned, the Snoopy 2 case or or Carrie Mollis's reported encounter at his cabin in California. But I'm not qualified to do anything about it, and I don't know where someone would go with it anyway. So, yeah, I, I just started kind of working on things that I felt like I had some means to to work on and that that might could could be productive but i i don't i don't think in that way no i don't think it's dead i think that people talk about it and write about it for for something to do i think they're angry about certain things but you know, one of the things we could talk about here, like you, you started at the top of the show about the the way um, those of us that have been at it a while might not remember what it's like. Speaking of younger generations, I mean, Tom DeLonge's got a lot of fans, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people that are going to be interested in and are interested in what he's been talking and writing about. And, I mean, that's got ties in it of UFO stuff, Mirage Men, and everything else. All, you know, whole new chapter opening. Oh, yeah, that seems like it's going to be, yeah, that seems like there's something, there's a man behind the curtain with all that. There's something going on there uh, that we're not quite sure about, you know. It's been it's been, it's been a weird year like that. It's been a strange kind of year, uh say to Greg Bishop recently or uh, back in April, I think that at one point there were like three different factions aside from the traditional disclosure group uh, that Steve Bassett runs, but there were like three other factions, like a Tom DeLong faction, a group of Canadians. And um, I forget who the, uh, Oh, uh, Grant Cameron, who were all like talking about disclosure in some form. Yeah. So it's like, what the, you know, but like I said, I think there's a certain like level of frustration, like you said, that where it's just people have reached a point where it's like all the avenues we've tried aren't working. You know what I mean? So when they say, oh, ufology's dead, what they mean is like our system of trying to figure this out doesn't work. That's what they're really trying to say. So it's like, just say that, man. <laughs> like, don't, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I did kind of come to a point where – I uh, I don't think there is anywhere to go with trying to get something under a glass that you can't put in a lab. Right. And I'm willing to trust the qualified experts on that, the people that do have the, the letters behind their name and that work at universities, that you just have to shrug your shoulders until your systems of investigation and your understandings of the physics and the environment allow you to to study something more closely, even if it ends up being the human brain or whatever it, it works out to be. And like I say, that's why I started down the... As one person put it, I started looking at the people doing the pointing instead of what they were pointing at. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's – I've always been more interested in the people than the phenomenon because it's like the phenomenon, once you've heard like 
what you've heard, you know, you share UFO stories, you know. I'm sure you and I each have probably heard, like, it, it, it's probably in the thousands at this point, UFO stories. So it's like, what, you know, you become jaded to it. Where you're like, I don't know, it probably doesn't happen to you, but, I, you know, well, maybe it does. But, you know, you run into someone that you don't, that you, like, at, like a high school reunion or some shit, you know, or you're running into somebody at a barbecue, and they're like, they want to tell you their UFO story. And it's like, you feel bad for them because it's like the greatest, most fantastic thing that's, like, ever happened to them. But to me, it's like, yeah, I've heard a million of those, you know. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Like, you know, it's like, I've never, have you ever seen anything? Have you ever seen uh an unidentified anomalous, uh, you know. I I have, and uh, I eventually became okay with accepting that I don't know what happened, and yeah. that's just pretty much where I decided to leave it. It was uh, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, when I was a kid. I have a memory of of seeing something unusual. And the reason I even say I have a memory of is is trying to be accurate about it because, you know, delving into this subject led me to also reading the work of memory experts and about how memory works. And I would have to accept at this point that based on what the people that should know, the qualified experts tell us, I probably don't know. I probably don't have accurate memories of what happened at that point anymore as compared to I remember what I've thought about now for 40 years, you know, instead of remembering what actually took place. Or I at least have to consider that like it doesn't have like the emotional pull of a memory anymore as much as a thought and a speculation and like just shrug I don't know what happened but I saw something in the sky that I didn't know what it was so yeah I guess I've seen a UFO and yeah that had a lot to do with um Continuing my interest in it, I was also interested at the time. I'd always been, as long as I can remember, you know, I was into ghost stories and strange stuff. But, yeah, so, yeah, would be the answer. But I I just eventually, and I think I, I would kind of encourage people to, to be okay with coming to terms, at least it worked for me, with I don't know what happened and I'll read or study stuff that can be studied instead of running in circles, you know? Yes, yeah. yes, exactly, yeah. Now, we're coming up near the end. Can you keep going a little while? Are you cool? or uh, do you Sure, get... All right, whatever nice. you want to do. Nice, sure. I'm enjoying the conversation, so we can just keep going. Uh, we're going to lose live listeners like in... I don't know, like 10 minutes or so. So thank you to all the folks listening live. And the blog is ufotrail.blogspot.com? That's correct. Nice. And the book is The Grays Were Framed. Folks, get it. This is this is one of those books that Ufology's been crying out for, um, you know, because it, it should. And I think, I mean, maybe you can correct me on this. I'm not positive about this because I'm not up on the latest uh, works. But I think that your book is like the only one out there that tells the Emma Woods story. And certainly in the most complete form. Jeremy, you may be correct anything. about that. You may be correct. I think there might be some upcoming stuff that that might might delve into it again. But 
I think that's accurate now yeah. that you mention it. Um, I devoted a couple of chapters to um, specific hypnosis stuff uh, as well as the Emma Wood story and the hybrid uh, stuff, for lack of a better term, um, unsubstantiated claims and uh I, I shared with the reader my attempts to interview uh, David Jacobs, who agreed to be interviewed, and I, I shared, uh, and that's on my blog as well, and my interactions with Barbara Lamb. And, yeah, it uh, sounds like when you approach these folks, they generally run away once they figure out that you're onto the game. Right. <laughs> I, I think I remember you posted a tweet before Roswell where you're like, I emailed Barbara Lamb like fucking three years ago. <laughs> question about DNA testing, and she said she was working on it or something like that, right? Yeah, she was busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I always think of Dr. Coke, John. I guess she's too busy to accept her Nobel, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to get that Nobel, but I've got a tight schedule this week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. At MUFON, you know, Fort Lauderdale or something. It's like, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. So folks get that book and it's outstanding. I really, I can't put it over enough. It's really good. And, uh, it's, it's a breath of fresh air in, in the realm of UFO books. So, you know, it's, um, a lot of books, you know, they kind of just, uh, they have to rehash all the old cases or just speculate endlessly on the mystery of it. Yours, yours actually has like tangible information that people can use and, you know, possibly sort of like uh, have a course correction in a sense when it comes to this mystery and following the mystery, you know what I mean, where you can kind of throw out some of that shit that maybe you had that was informing your view on this, specifically like in the abduction stuff. Yeah, well, thank you. I did track some of the stories because, you know, I read Hopkins and Jacobs and I went to the lectures, and I heard John Mack, and I read Whitley Strieber, et cetera, et cetera, in the 90s. And I would walk away with questions about, like, wow, how can they not address this and this and this? Like, they don't even bring it up. And so I tracked some of those questions and stories at least as far as I could go with them up to the point that people just – like, okay, you know, that's it. We're not talking anymore. <laughs> yeah. And that, like you say, that's that's pretty suggestive in itself where where you're at when somebody just says, I'm busy, you know. And, yeah, one of those that, I mean, really deserves more attention than it gets is the Carpenter Affair that is about uh, former uh, – abduction researcher for MUFON, director of abduction research in the 1990s, uh, turned over some 140 case files without the consent of the possible abductees that were explored in the files. And there, some of them had, you know, hypnosis tapes and whatnot and was given to uh, Robert Bigelow and his NIDS team. And, a lot of people still don't know about that. Uh, 
I, I talked to a former MUFON state director recently that said they'll have to look at my blog posts and check out the book because they didn't know anything about it. And Oh, yeah, well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's just one of those things that a lot of people just aren't aware of what's even taken place within the genre that, yeah, casts a great deal of doubt over the quality of the information, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's funny you say that about the movie. I, 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 I bet you like there's a good portion, a good percentage of the people in MUFON who are sort of like on the state level and shit have no idea like anything – about how the organization works or anything like that. You know what I mean? So they wouldn't even, they're not privy to the, it's like inside baseball to them or something. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think a recurring thing I hear from MUFON people is that they almost felt naive later when, because they read all the stuff about science and, and the pitch and it sounded good and they thought, wow, this will be great. And then they, they felt, deceived when they actually got involved yeah it's like it sounds like it's like scientology almost you know where <laughs> it's like you know you get you get in you know you're, you're promised sort of this and, and it even has the sciencey aspect of it where it's like this is this is based in the science but it's like no 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 it's you know then you get in there and you get deep enough and you're like shit it's all about fucking crazy aliens you know and there's a little lot of them they're very similar actually so, but yeah, I mean, MUFON's a mess, man. It, this is this feels like the year that, that it's really it's it's funny though because I guess that thing in Vegas was a now we're off the live show we're still taping we're still rolling here so um, just wanted to give you a heads up so uh, the thing in Vegas I guess was like a huge success so it's like they're for all the bad shit they. They, their their secret space conference was a big success. So I don't expect them. I don't. Ex, uh, I think they're gonna go. Okay, well, you know, we've lost the respect of like thirty five, thirty six UFO researchers. But at the same time, you know, we drew twenty five hundred people to this event when when we held it in Pittsburgh. We drew you know five hundred. So clearly, who gives a fuck? Yeah, yeah, I I think too. It it's clear by some of the directions that the organization took that some of its leadership are quite interested in television connections and entertainment whether they call it that or even admit it to themselves or not. Right, right. It's clear that that's what they're interested in. And I I don't know. I, did you see any articles? Did you read? I have not. Is why I asked. What kind of uh, turnout they claim they got at the conference? Like how many hundreds I of people? I saw like two thousand people. I think I think I wow. Yeah, wow. I think that's what I saw, but I haven't really looked uh, too deeply into it. But I know that it was considered a big success. So. You know, it's if I did a UFO conference and drew two thousand people, that would be I would consider that wildly successful. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd have to do it you know, you'd have to do like a secret space conference, you know. It's funny. We've we've talked we've talked about it in a sense. Well, you know something? That's not entirely true. Because I think that part of the problem is like 
the people who are sort of like you and me and serious about this shit and not sensationalizing it and stuff, like, we could do a better job of, of, of selling it, I think. I think that's because we're just not natural, uh, you know, promoters in a sense. Yeah, because we're not selling it. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. It's like if I put on a conference here with, like, you and Greg Bishop and serious people, Nick Redford and serious people doing, you know, Tyler Cope, John, it's like I might be able to sell tickets, but I'd have to get out there and really pound the pavement, you know, and do what it takes to to sell it in a sense. So I guess what I'm saying is, like, serious ufology, you can say there's no audience for it, but it's almost like no one's really trying to sell it either. Yeah, I think there is an audience for credible information. I think there's even an audience for speculation if it's correctly identified as that and not tried to be packaged as conclusive. I think we're also living in a time that we're seeing the clumsy transition from live conferences to streaming conferences and with the technology that's available today I don't think well I know it's not necessary to bring speakers from all over the nation to a single city and to expect attendees to either travel or you have to bring them to a city that will have enough attendees that reside there and I'm not sure that that's going to continue to be cost-effective when you can can do things on the Internet. Yeah. And that, like I say, that's just a clumsy transition that we're, we're seeing. And hopefully that, that we'll, we'll get to that sooner than later of how quality events can be done online and – uh, if not be profitable, at least not put the event organizer in a hole without having to. I mean, that's, you know, a lot of expense, all of that travel and hotels oh, yeah. and rental cars and, you know, a lot of stuff that that is not necessary if, if you could have successful uh, Internet events, you know. Yeah, that's tough. I mean... I think I I can't because I've been in this so long and shit. I can't even like if I go to a conference, I I can I'm like fidgeted in my seat like five minutes after the person starts. So I can't sit like sit still. So I have a hard sell on <laughs> any of that stuff. But it's like to me, I I still think to me the fun is sort of like meeting these people at the vendor tables and shit. You know, uh-huh. I don't know how much you experience that like at Roswell, but it's like the downtime and the the camaraderie is kind of like more fun. Yeah, yeah, hanging out. Yeah, definitely. That's part of it. Connecting faces with names and meeting new people. Yeah. Yeah, because that's always been like the most fun for me. And then you get in there and then you get the presentation. And it's like, oh, I don't have the attention span to, <laughs> to like watch like a 90 minute slide, you know, PowerPoint presentation. Even. Even if the person's, like, really good, you know what I mean? It's just uh-huh. like, I don't know. So to sit in front of the computer and watch, like, a day's worth of that, I think, would be, like, a hard sell. But, I mean... It, yeah, it might be. It might be. And, 
like I say, it is a clumsy time that we're trying to transition into what will work. When you're right, that like, I mean, even before everybody walked around all day with a phone in their hand, if you were good, you could keep somebody's attention about 10 minutes, Yeah. you know, before you have to realize you have to keep drawing their attention back. Yeah, that's why you get a next slide up, yeah. I mean, you know the diagnostics. You look at your website three seconds till they click on something else, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think, if anything, if there's a transition going on, maybe it's from the conference to the uh, – to not to, like – not because self-serving you say in a sense, but, like, to podcasts just because you can take them on the go. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, there used to be just the oversaturation of paranormal podcasts and media and shit. It's like, on I think that that has gone a long way to sort of taking a bite out of the conference thing. Because before it was like you'd read the books. When would you get a chance to see somebody like a Rich Dolan or a, a Stan Friedman? Like when they came to town, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now it's like yeah. they got their own. You know, Rich Dolan's got his own show. Stan Friedman is on like every show. So it's like you don't. And, and on a lot of these shows, not my show because I'm an asshole, but on a lot of these shows you can call in and talk to the guests. So it's like, yeah. you know, they get that opportunity too. So I think Yeah, they're, they're, they're more accessible than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When before if it was like, I got a crazy thing that happened to me and I've got to tell Stan Friedman. It's like you'd have to go to like, you'd have to write him a letter or you'd have to like go to Idaho or wherever he was that weekend. You know, because yeah. like, I mean, yeah. I've heard stories from folks like him and Lauren Coleman and other folks like, you know, people will come up to them and be like, I got to tell you this story. You know what I mean? It's like clearly they 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 came just for that. Yeah, I I mentioned, you know, seeing Bud Hopkins at a conference and yeah, they would swamp him, man. Oh, Just yeah. Swamp him. Yeah, it's hard to. Yeah. It's always funny. Yeah, Greg was saying that it happened to him, and it, it's happened to me before too. Where it's like he t- having him in Roswell, uh, and uh, having to meet with Stan too in Canada. But it's like you, he'll talk because you know I kind of know Stan pretty well now at this point. It's been a long time. We've I've interviewed him like a million times, so you know we know each other and shit. See, I'll be just sitting there talking to him about God knows what, and like people will just come over and just just start talking to him while you're talking to him, and just completely interrupt your conversation. Uh-huh. It's it's really it's it's insane in a lot of ways, but it's also I guess it's cool, you know, because I love Stan, so that's awesome for him. But it's like Jesus, that must be kind of like maddening in a way. But yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. So what did you think of Roswell? Now you were a part of the you were a part of sort of the alternative to the ETH uh, event, right? That's correct. Um, Guy Malone uh, organized it, and I I thought he did a very good job. He was very accommodating and helpful, and I was good to be involved in it. Was that your first time in Roswell? It was. It was my first time speaking at a conference as well. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Thank you. I've attended many but it was my first time speaking. It 
it was an interesting uh, experience in that the folks that I met were obviously interested in government uh, obfuscation, and they were obviously willing to hear about the things I write about or I wouldn't have been meeting them, where in other parts of town during the festival, there there were much more um, ET-minded events going on, and it, it was kind of interesting and, and sort of ironic that Roswell would produce a probably significant percentage of its um, UFO community would be willing to hear the alternative ideas because maybe even ahead of the UFO curve, they might be kind of tired of, you know, we've heard this ETH for years and, right, right, you yeah. know, so that was kind of interesting. Um, the very first speaker was Guy Malone, and he presented his research about um, the likelihood that the crash didn't have anything to do with extraterrestrials and may have been a, a uh, the, the, the ET story may have helped or the flying saucer story may have helped hide some uh, other experiments that were taking place maybe with uh, uh, flying craft or, or different types of more nefarious things. But at any rate, um, yeah, one gentleman right there in the uh, – uh, audience began heckling. It, it seemed to disturb him so much that, uh, yeah, he was he yelled hogwash <laughs> at the speaker. Oh my God. <laughs> Why did he so, go to like it? Yeah, yeah, and he just like was interrupting him, going, "So, do you believe there were flying saucers in Roswell?" And you know. Uh, uh, obviously not, you know, based on yeah, the Jesus. research he's presenting. Um, well, he'd require yeah. more information to reach such a belief, you know. That almost strikes me as like somebody who went there with the sole intention of that. That like they're like, what? Fuck this guy! I'm going to that event and I'm gonna give him a piece of my. You know what I mean? It's like that's I, entirely I possible. It it. It started with somewhat of a bang like that and then mellowed out as the weekend went on that uh, um, I, I guess word got around more that, you know, what our conference was about as compared to some of the others. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. What did you think of Roswell, the city? Is it, I've never been, so I'm hoping to make a trip out there at some point soon. But uh, what what, what is it like a UFO? I heard there's like UFOs like everywhere and shit. Yeah, there are. In in fact, um, being here in the Orlando area, it kind of reminded me of the way the mouse areas are here. Really? And, 
Yeah, like somebody will just come walking by, like with a flying saucer on their T-shirt, and like clearly isn't even thinking about it. You know, like just like they might be wearing a Red Sox hat. Right, right, yeah. You know, I don't even see it anymore, yeah. And, yeah, it's in logos on lots of businesses. A credit union had a flying saucer logo. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Very friendly people, um, hospitable. It, It was an enjoyable trip from that aspect. As you might imagine, some great Tex Mex. Yeah. Oh, I bet, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got a friend who's uh an attorney in Roswell. Here actually uh he he actually I don't I don't know if he planned it this way. I don't think so, but like he 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 him and his wife like left town when the you know, when the circus came to town. So they weren't even there, but he lives there, you know, year round. So he was telling me about sort of the It's funny. He just it interesting to like meet somebody who actually lives there cuz like you're saying it's like that's just sort of the, the background noise, in a way. You know what I mean? To them, yeah. it's their city. <laughs> you know, to them, it's their city. And it's like, yeah, we have this UFO thing going on. It's like people in Salem, Mass, with the witches and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I did read somewhere while there that um, I think the population of the town, like, doubled during that week. Yeah. That, that there were so many people coming in, and it's like, not sure how I'd feel about that if I lived there. I, I guess it depends on if it um, takes your business from the red to the black that week every year, you know? Yeah, that's what they were telling me, that it's like kind of Christmas for the town. That that's when they make all their money and shit, so. Uh-huh. Which yeah. makes sense. I mean, it's kind of out of the way, right? Although I guess then they have direct flights from Dallas, which is good. Yeah. Another thing I read, it wasn't this year. It was in years past. But uh, a um, mayor was asked if he believed in aliens, and he said something to the effect of, I believe in money. And I thought, good for him, because that is his job. You right. know, to, yeah. to create commerce and um, uh, help the businesses to thrive, and and so I, I thought that that's more than fair from from the mayor to say that you know let people have fun, enjoy themselves, and you know promote tourism. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's uh, you. You see some towns that like uh, it. There's a weird like trend with Bigfoot that like now towns are sort of embracing. They're they're trying. I wouldn't say they're trying to be like the Roswell of Bigfoot, but like they're they're embracing like Bigfoot essentially in, in their branding and shit. Like one town in Alabama, I think, declared themselves the Bigfoot capital of wow. Alabama. Wow, which is like exciting, you know, which is like the premise. <coughs> excuse me, like the premise of the old Scooby Doo cartoon, you know. That like will create this sham to bring visitors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, Scooby Doo is always like to is always like to steal the property out from under the guy. But in this, in this yeah, case, he's either like, scaring them off to close down the amusement park to like make it cheap to buy. Yeah, yeah. Or trying to like make the hotel a popular destination. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely see that with like the go- like a ghostly a ghost hotel type places. That 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 really became a big thing too, but. Well, Which I mean, really enjoyed in Eureka Springs, by the way. But it, that was fun. But you were about to say. I was just gonna say you can kind of see. Well, Kecksburg and Exeter have gotten on board with the raw. You know, they're trying to like be take advantage of their UFO history too, because they see what happened in with Roswell. So it's like uh, it's an interesting dynamic in a way. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I would think that the original ranch in Roswell could could even capitalize on that if they wanted because you do kind of want to just see the spot. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, just look at it. Did and you get a chance to see the spot? I heard it's kind of like fucking out of the way, like a pain in the ass to go see. I did not go. Uh, I, I understand there may have been a TV show that filmed out there and whatnot. And, um, you know, for the reasons we've been discussing the last couple hours, I wasn't interested in being a part of that. No, but, no, no, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I have not because, like you say, I don't want to just, you know, bother people and stuff. But, yeah, if it were a matter of, you know, pay your ten bucks or whatever and take a tour, I would, sure. Yeah, you know? I think it's, like I said, I think it's, like, kind of out of the way. I mean, but I don't know the de- – if I – like I said, if I go visit my family friend who lives in Roswell, I'll probably try and do that at some point. But, uh, uh-huh. yeah, I never really got a chance. I've never been out there. I really want to uh, really want to check it out at some point. But uh, I don't know if I'd like it more or less if I went when there was no – when it wasn't the big festival. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I've always thought about doing it. If I ever wrote for like a national publication or something like that, I would, uh, like a magazine. Um, I always thought about doing an article just like about the, like, like what happens at Roswell after, after like the, the festival, you know what I mean? When the circus leaves town, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. It, It would. And I have the best title for it, The Day After Roswell. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it would be The Day After Roswell. It would be like, what, what's it like in Roswell when everyone leaves town, you know? And it's like they put away their it's, – it's like it's like how you go to CVS, like, the day after Halloween, and all of a sudden they have all the Thanksgiving stuff, like, overnight is up, you know? It's probably like all these people start bringing in their alien shit. <laughs> You know, they really could. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we're just a small minority that they couldn't make money off. But it seems like they could make a, get much more organized with tours and stuff. Because, like, one thing I did see while I was there, at least from the outside, I didn't go in, but was the funeral home where bodies were allegedly taken or they got the you know coffins whatever the story yeah, yeah, yeah. was it was involved in the, the, yeah 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 and like yeah i do think that's interesting that like it wow it's still standing in the same place like that kind of thing would be interesting to know and 
Oh, I yeah. think it's like a, almost like a, I wouldn't call it, maybe not like a walking tour, but like a bus tour where you stop at yeah. some key locations. Like, here's Mac Brazel's house, or here's the house of, here's the radio station where they, or uh, here's the newspaper where they put out the newspaper, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and this building is where, yeah, they're right, they received the press release, or, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, I'm sure, you know, that picture, that famous picture where he's holding the note, and people have tried to decipher the note, it's like... I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not there anymore, but maybe that maybe that building is the same. You know, you can go in and recreate the photo. You know, that would be the kind of cool thing you could do. Yeah, it would. It would. And you're in the photo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it would be like a yeah, like how like how you go to Dealey Plaza and they have like they have the uh, you know the crow's nest where Oswald supposedly uh, shot JFK from, like all sealed off and shit. And as it was that day, it's like, that'd be kind of neat for Roswell, but yeah, it would, it would. I, I, uh, yeah, I haven't checked it out, but I'd like to, I'd like to. So I probably, cause yeah, like all over town, there's little spaceships, saucer like things. And, Aliens, and you can just like pull your car over and get out and take a picture leaning against a flying saucer and all over the place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It sounds, yeah, it sounds pretty cool. I'd like to check it out. I, I'm sure I will eventually. Um, but it sounds like you had a good time, so that's cool. I did. I enjoyed it. And like I said, Guy Malone, I, I felt did a very good job. I was impressed with his objectivity and the way he uh, made sure that all of the people he invited had what they needed and it was well done on his behalf. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, let me see if I... Are you doing any other uh, speaking engagements that we should know about? Any upcoming appearances? I do not right now. I am deciding uh, what direction I'm wanting to go in maybe with the possible new projects. Um, I'm going to have a blog post up here in a couple of days that I, um, it's a, it will be a relatively long read on some of the things about the intelligence community we've touched on here and how the topic has been exploited over the years and particularly the uh, supposed crash stories, and we can see that meme coming up in different times again and again throughout the uh, the history that researchers, you know, intelligence agents or people that seem to know a lot about stories will approach researchers and uh, give them this, uh, you know, put a bee in their bonnet about some crash saucer somewhere that it really looks like they're just trying to throw a wrench in the gears by giving them <laughs> these stories sometimes, man, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. And and I'll give some specific examples of how that's played out and um, at least quoting some other researchers, and hopefully people will find that interesting to read about. I have. Oh, man, I'm sure they will, dude. It's, you know. The, the crash, yeah, the crash thing, that, that kind of, I remember like 
one of, I think Robert Wood and his dad wrote a book or something on UFO crashes. That there was like 36 of them in the book or something like that. So it's, yeah, I mean, just dozens that that like wow, you know, what's up with all of this? Um, I I can tell you too that it, it's not all old history, even if the intelligence community doesn't have anything to do with some of the newer ones. Um, the the meme is obviously still alive and well if they ever want to come back to it that the community itself keeps perpetuating it. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Like they set it off in motion. Now they can tap into it when they want, but they're not. Necessarily yeah, yeah. Anymore. Like yeah. in 2004, in a suburb outside of uh, Orlando called Castleberry. Uh, they there was a story got circulating that there had been a UFO crash and it really caught on. Um, and being here in Central Florida, I decided to uh, write about it in like 2013. I did FOIA requests and interviewed some local people and uh, you know dug up what I could on it, and being here in, in Central Florida, I was going to say, I had heard so much about this from yeah. so many people that that I feel were sincere and believed something happened, and that they thought they knew people that were sincere, and so on and so forth, that when I first started on it, I had expectations that I would find a satellite reentry or uh, maybe a, a a light plane crash or something to that effect that I thought I'm going to find this and then everybody's going to tell me that was just the explanation for the cover-up. And even that I couldn't find. That I mean, there was like no crash of nothing. And it all started out of what seems to have probably been a really unusually loud clap of lightning and thunder. One guy was fortunate enough because it did happen to be the 4th of July, but it wasn't fireworks. One guy did happen to have it on video, and uh, it is a really unusually long thunder. And so a lot of people thought a meteor, but weather says no. Weather system, uh, weather stations and radar and all just say no, there wasn't anything. And even as critical as I can be of the UFO community, it shows how... You know, I, I hesitate to say even I because, you know, I mean, all of us are subject to our biases. But I, I, I thought because I had been so conditioned that something happened and something went down, I even thought I was going to find something. And no, it's all just a story, man. It, for, it, if it's not, then I wasn't able to find anything more on it. And that happened in 2004, and there's been more myths since that have gone around the UFO community, and I'll be writing about some of that. But, 
Yeah, it, it's very much alive and well. Man, this thing in in the Orlando suburb, it had stories about the FBI was here keeping people out of the crash site, and people were talking about NASA vehicles were racing around, and people were claiming that people in the neighborhood got sick. And I couldn't find a single person that even claimed to have seen anything in the air. Nobody that claimed to have seen the crash site, no pictures of these alleged FBI people. And I did find UFO reports that would claim they saw it, but they'd leave out what should have been an easy-to-add address. And one guy even uh, submitted a picture of a meteor that... I conclusively found out the picture was taken in Texas that he submitted for this report of the crashed UFO <laughs> alleged. Yeah, and it's like, wow, even if the government's not involved in that misinformation, people just go nuts to just float a story, yeah. you know? You know? And so, yeah, the the dynamic is certainly ready and waiting if the uh, powers that be decide to use it again. Yeah. Well, that's crazy about the picture. That that makes me laugh. I don't know what. It, it is crazy that, like, one thing I can say, and I'm sure by now you've been in this long enough that you've met people, too, that they do feel the ends justify the means, and oh, there are people yeah. that will think it's okay to uh to hoax a story because well it's really kind of true anyway they oh, feel God. yeah i mean i don't want to get into politics again but it's like we're living in in an the ends justify the means fucking world now man yeah we are it's scary like you know that seems to be yeah. the attitude of a lot of people and because I've seen that dynamic so heavily in the UFO community, I'm a little less trigger happy with the conspiracies because I have seen people that will just full on ends justify the means. Um, but yeah, it, it's rather extraordinary how propped up this 2004 UFO crash was that you can't get a single primary witness to discuss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's weird. It's weird. But I was going to ask you, uh, what do you think of the Bob Bigelow thing that happened earlier this year? Because you're kind of a straight shooter like me. So, you know, it was very – I found it very like uh, – he was – he. I just felt like he was really ambiguous to the point where it was like there's there's something to be to – be, gleaned from the ambiguity or something, if that makes any sense, you know? It's like he's either trying to hint that he knows more than he knows, or he knows more than he's willing to... It was like, this guy's fucking being intentionally ambiguous for a reason, and now, I, and now I'm confused and trying to figure it out. Yeah, I didn't watch the interview because I've... My research has led me to be really doubtful of of his claims, and I didn't watch it because I thought it might just 
make me angry, frustrated. I did have somebody contacted me and asked me about it and said, yeah, you should have watched it. So then I went and I read some of the statements. And between Skinwalker Ranch, and which I, I think has a lot of theatrics around it, was my feeling, and uh, the Carpenter Affair that I mentioned earlier, I, I'm not impressed with um, Mr. Bigelow's claims compared to what he actually presents. And so I, I think, again, we just have to keep coming back to the default of if he ever wants to give us something that, that is available for public review, okay, but in the meantime, it's just talk. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a great point. Yeah, and that's kind of how I felt seeing it in a sense where it was just like, I, you say you didn't see the segment, but I'll just tell you it was like, if it was five minutes, you know, it was, could have been more, could have been less. I'm sure it was a little bit more, but if it, let's say it's five minutes. The the conversation about UFOs and shit happened like at you know the three and a half minute mark, uh-huh. and it was maybe thirty seconds. So, like, it got a lot of coverage afterwards, but it was completely – and for my recollection of it, just off the top of my head, was, like, that the interviewer asked him, like, why he's so sure about UFOs, and I think he said he's, like, invested a ton of money in it, and he knows for sure there's something to it. Something like that, where it was like uh-huh. – and she didn't even – and I think, like, in in a – in a voiced-over aside, she was like, he says he's had uh, close encounters, but he didn't want to talk about them. But it was like she never pressed, like, the dude about it at all in the conversation yeah. that was on screen. Like, if, if, you know, that's one of those things that I'm not a big believer, like, in the media conspiracy idea. But then when you see something like that, it kind of makes you, like, raise an eyebrow where it's like, like, lady, you're like a shitty fucking reporter, man. Like, if you're interviewing some dude who's a multi-millionaire billionaire who's invested a shitload of money in UFOs, and he says that he's sure that he's, he's certain about what he believes, and he believes in UFOs, like, you press him on that. You try, you try to get yeah. information out of him. even if you Almost as if the only reason she asked was because people would say, why didn't you ask? But then they really didn't want to go down that road because they thought they'd end up criticized for that. Uh, yeah, I can see your frustration about either talk about it or just leave it out, you know. Right, yeah. right. But it's like, what kind of reporter are you? Like, if you're interviewing a dude, like I said, even if he's, even if he's, like, full of shit or crazy or what, he's a super billionaire who's invested a ton of money in it, like, and he's making these claims, like, you don't, like you're saying, it's like, either give us something, you know, <laughs> I don't know. My inclination would be like, the next words out of my mouth would be like, prove it. Prove it. Yeah. What do you have yeah. that makes you so certain, dude? You know, we're 60 yeah. fucking minutes. Let's, let's, you know, I don't know who you're saving this information for, but 60 minutes is pretty much where you're going to want to roll it out, bro. Yeah, and, you know, I, I'd say the same thing to, that I've said about any number of other people that, no, you don't have to prove anything. You you don't have to, you know, 
substantiate your story. But if you want people to accept your statement, you do, you know? Exactly. Right. Yeah, you can't say, hey, right. believe me, believe me, without putting out any evidence. So that, that was frustrating to me because to me it's like I, I, think, I think he – I'm willing to say that he probably has more information than you and I do about whatever this is. So what, what that might be, I have no idea. I would, I would hope, although you know, just, just, from all, just from all the money he's allegedly invested. So what do you mean by you think that Skinwalker's theatrics though? That like it was sort of like I, I'm not convinced that it it's not hasn't served some purpose like like you were saying that um you you speculated that, you know, maybe at some point in the nineteen forties or fifties that part of the idea by the American intelligence agencies might have even been to just lead the Russians to wonder if we had better technology than we did or uh, interventions with aliens or interactions with extraterrestrials. I've wondered if um, the, the Skinwalker Ranch or some of Bigelow's activities might be in league with intelligence agencies because of the way security clearances and um, his inner are used and his uh, personnel is included um, and intelligence community members and uh, there's you know been rumors floated by people that allege to have worked with him and uh, another thing, though, that I mean was just uh, a big thing to me that I don't think most of the UFO community really gets the potential significance is during that failed MUFON Bigelow venture, one of the things that arose out of this, and I do think, too, like we were talking earlier, shortly after this is where MUFON really went south, like any ideas we had left of it. Yeah. But um, one of the things that happened before James Carrion left the MUFON and stopped being the director was he wrote about that... Uh, Bigelow was moving funds when somehow involved with, with these commitments for financial support he'd made to MUFON, that he was moving funds on behalf of an undisclosed financial sponsor, and he would only reveal the identity of that sponsor to John Schusler, but not the rest of the MUFON board. And that's a very unusual um, activity and, and chain of events for particular in the nonprofit industry, but particularly among in a UFO community that is so challenged for transparency and honesty in the first place. Yeah, that's really. I never really dug that deeply into it, so that's kind of revelatory to me. That's interesting in a sense. It's like, who's <laughs> – yeah. It's that like certainly <laughs> deserves more, 
yeah, more attention before we we accept things without question. That's for sure. Well, that smacks of like the whole thing with Stephen Greer taking people on UFO hunts and making them sign non-disclosure agreements. It's like you can't. If the whole goal was to get to the bottom of this, you can't have some secret funder like you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I've uh, I've asked Colonel Alexander, who was employed by Mr. Bigelow, on several occasions for comment about some of those circumstances, and he declines. And uh, as do many of the the MUFON personnel involved, and. Um, James Carrion was clear with me in his interview that he agreed to have that he simply doesn't see how what he observed from Bigelow's behavior that he doesn't see how that could be part of the solution that he I think in fact he said something to the effect of it it leads to murky muddled you know, muddy water or something to that effect, because there were a number of things in, in that chain of events, and one of them was that that Carry On and an accompanying scientist attempted to observe and take a look around Skinwalker Ranch, and they were denied access. And um, it's my understanding from reading. James Carrion's writing and from the interview I conducted with him, that Carrion simply doesn't buy the excuse that it's for your own safety. He just simply didn't buy it. And I, I mean, the the idea has been floated before that Bigelow is relatively private. He doesn't owe anyone explanations. Okay, fair enough. Well, then don't make claims, you know. If you're not willing to back up your claims and you're not willing to tell people who's footing the bill, then I'm really not interested in what you have to say. That's just me personally. Right. Right. Well, look at that guy that – look at that Rockefeller guy that, like, met with Hillary Clinton and shit with his UFO book. It's like he wasn't out there doing speeches and shit. You know what I mean? Or he right. wasn't teasing. He wasn't teasing that he because Bigelow's not doing speeches. I take that back. But but he he wasn't out there doing interviews teasing that you know he knew shit about UFOs. If you're gonna you know it's just kind of yeah, shitty, and because it's like it there's as much as I decry it, there should be kind of a sense of camaraderie among people who who are willing to give this fucked up mystery the time of day. So just yeah. don't, don't, you know, don't leave us with blue balls, man, when you go on 60 Minutes. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and the thing that we can say about Bigelow, too, that might escape the notice of the casual UFO community member, he has been significantly involved in the direction this narrative has headed. His money has or at least funds that went through him, as James Carrion suggested, have been significantly involved in paying for activities of Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs. I I believe John Mack had some um, funding. Obviously, he was involved in funding John Carpenter. 
and uh, you know some of his hypnotically induced narrations that he got. And there's a rather long list of uh, things that the average individual would not know that money at least came through Bigelow to finance and. Um, then when we see Mr. Carrion make that allegation that it wasn't Bigelow's money in at least one of those circumstances, yeah, that that brings a lot into question. I mean, the 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 intelligence community has a well documented history of using nonprofit corporations to funnel money from intelligence agencies into projects that they desired to fund and we don't we just don't know what's going on when we don't know what's going on and as i i've stated to people in the past the fact we don't know what happened is a good reason to want to know what happened exactly dude yeah exactly <laughs> That could be like the mantra of the show, yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's the, you know, this shit's got layers, man. This shit's got layers. That's why I like doing this show. Uh, you know, I've been thrilled since we brought it back uh, a few months ago, and I'm glad we got you back on the show. I got to go, though, dude, because we're going to run out of time, because um, the thing will cut me off at three hours, believe it or not. Like, <laughs> Well, it, it was great. I really awesome. enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, too. And, uh, you know, I think... Yeah, I think it was, I, as I said last week, we kind of did this with the ghost community, and just like I said uh, on that show, we kind of just jumped right in and started smashing the fourth wall and then kept swinging sledgehammers around. And I think we kind of did that tonight here on the program, uh, you and me looking at the UFO field. So, you know, and, you know, we didn't, I, 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 I said at the beginning, I was a little worried we were going to, that I overhyped this episode in a sense. It's like, we, we're not calling people out, folks. We're not, like, naming names and shit. Um we're just kind of talking about some of the problems that 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 have uh, they're like systemic problems, you know. They're not like specific people and shit. It's just like systemic problems that have that have cropped up in this field that uh, we need to take an honest look at and try and figure out what the hell we're going to do about it. You know, there's a lot of good researchers and people and and figures and folks uh, like you and me and all our friends and stuff who are, who are looking at this from a serious level. And it's like, we're doing good shit, but sometimes we, we can't lose sight of the forest for the trees. Yeah. Agree. All right, Jack. Well, it's uh UFO trail dot com, Correct. Not with the, there's no the in there, right? Correct. All right. All right. And the book is the grays were framed and folks can get that on Amazon and all kinds of other places. Right. Yes, there's a link on my blog. Uh, the grades have been framed, and you can read reviews. And um, thanks. I really appreciate it, Tim. It's been great. All right, brother. Well, have a good one, and we'll talk soon. I'll see you, on, I'll see you in the Twitterverse. We're actually like quite good Twitter buddies on there. So. Yeah, I'll see you there. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Have a great night. You too. All right. There you go, folks. That was Jack Brewer, author of The Grays Were Framed, and the man behind the uh, the UFO Trail blog, both outstanding. As I said at the beginning of the show, Royce Myers is the UFO watchdog, but this guy, 
Jack Brewer could be like the UFO watchdog too. He's he's doing amazing work, keeping an eye on this crazy field of UFO research. There's a lot of problems here, man. There's a lot of problems, but hopefully the folks who are taking a serious look at it and aren't true believers or just crazy assholes can someday uh, come up with some answers or, more importantly and more likely, come up with some cool theories because that seems to be what's happening nowadays. People just throwing out interesting theories and observations about uh, some of the periphery aspects of this phenomenon. That's where it's at because trying to prove this thing, I don't know what else you can do. We've kind of... uh, Kind of dropped the ball on that one. It's not, it's not working, what we're trying to do. And uh, on that note, we'll call it a night. Thanks again to Jack Brewer for coming on the show. Uh, I don't have a plug yet for next week's program. i got to pin down the guest uh, in the next couple of days. I'm actually heading to Canada uh, in August, which is actually right around the corner, which is scary. Um, and I don't know the exact dates just yet because I'm an awful – vacation planner but once i know that then i can tailor it around the show a little bit chances are i'll definitely miss one week while i'm in canada maybe two i can't be certain but i'm going to try and limit it to one week and uh i'll be stopping in at some point at the east coast paracon in liverpool uh nova scotia i believe uh but even that's not pinned down you know i don't even know if i'm going to be there at the end of my trip the beginning of my trip but i'll be there We've already done interviews from there, so I don't know if we're going to do that for the show. Uh, so I can't make any promises. I don't know what's going on. But we'll have a guest for you next week on the program, rest assured. And by then I should definitely know when I'll be in Canada. Um, and like I said, I'll probably miss a week, but I'll definitely try and lock somebody in to be on the show, uh, either when I get back or I would do one from Canada. I'll, I'll give it some thought. Although, as I joked once on Facebook, now that I've said that, I probably won't do it. But I'll give it some thought about doing a show from Canada. We'll see. Uh, Stay tuned to Banal of America, as always, and BOA on Facebook, where I'll announce next week's guest, hopefully uh, by tomorrow. And thanks again, folks, for listening. I really do appreciate it. Long-ass program tonight, but quite enjoyable with Jack Brewer. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Hopefully, we didn't piss off too many people. Uh, (laughs) Dissecting the innards of ufology. Uh, Thanks once again to Jack Brewer, and thanks, of course, to all you folks out there for listening. Until next time, this is Tim and all. Thank you for listening and signing off.